It's nine o'clock on a Saturday. Yes, it is. Mike Murphy. That's me. Fred Huber. That's him. Murph and Fred back together again on ESPN 1000. No, Fred, you can't go to Lala until noon. I wouldn't ever want to go to Lala. <laughs> I don't like people that much anyway, and to be around 100,000 of them, uh uh-uh. No, thank you. (laughs) How you doing, everybody? Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, now until noon every Saturday. Lots to cover, and uh, we will have Jesse Rogers visiting us in about an hour. He'll phone in the little guy, our Cubs beat guy, 11 o'clock. No, we're not going to forget about all the Bears fans out there. One of our favorite guys, Fred Arthur Arkish. Very nice. He'll call us around 11 o'clock. Got some uh, White Sox talk in Fred's White Sox notebook. I have a letter here from a, a disgruntled White Sox fan. Only one? Well, yeah, it's the only one I've heard from today. Yeah. <laughs> we had a couple of them here in the studio last night. So. Uh, White Sox win uh, last Three, night. 3-2-10. and 3-2-10. and ten. Tim Anderson just now rounding third as he hesitated and... Uh, he was a lollygagger. That makes him a lollygagger. Yeah, he was more than that. He was uh, just stupid. And a rubbernecker. Yeah. Yeah, looking over his shoulder. Exactly. When he realized he was running too slow. You never look over your shoulder when you're being waved home. You just keep on running. White Sox win 3-2. to two. Your guy Giolito, seven innings, two hits, just one earned run. And that was uh, not tainted, Fred, but... It was, uh, you know, ground ball went through on a shift after the bullpen came in. So a terrific outing for Giolito. Yeah, second game in a row that uh, Ricky Renteria decided to go in the end of the eighth inning with a pitcher that gave him seven good innings. So I'm Mm. not sure if that's an organizational thing Uh or they're trying to stretch these guys out a little bit or what they're doing. But uh, that's two days in a row. They did it with Lopez. Now they did it last night with Giolito. I know your bullpen's no good, but, you know, you, you can't be running these guys out there for the eighth inning. We'll get back to the White Sox and take first a look at the uh, Cub game. Uh, now, that was a day game. Usually, Fred, you know, every other Friday, the Cubs are on the road, you mm-hmm. know, pretty much. Uh, 12 out of 24 weeks or whatever it is, 13 out of 26 weeks. So it's more compelling, I always feel, with us on Saturday morning if the Cubs played a night game or a late game right. to really break it down, which we will still do. But, uh, you know, it's not as urgent with the game being a day game. But the story is, uh, and it continues to be Javi Baez, uh, give us a call if you uh, want to jump in on our Twitter poll question, or you can vote at ESPN 1000. We are at 3323776. And Felix the Cat doing our production work today. Felix, keep the microphone near you. You're a guy that knows baseball and uh, you're a Northside fan. You can vote on this one right now also. Fans, vote now. Multiple choice. Most exciting Cubs player, A, B, C, or D. A, Sammy Sosa. Mm -hmm. All right. B, Javi Baez. Okay. C, Ryan Sandberg. D, Andre Dawson. Okay. Vote now. Simply put, it's most exciting Cubs player. Not of all time, because there were great ones before. You know, we're keeping a little current right here. So I want to hear. I'm very interested. As current as Sandberg and Sosa get. Well, you know. Right. Right, right. Yeah, I, I didn't want to go back to... Guys that you saw. You know, you don't want to go back to... Well, I you know, saw Billy Williams. Tinker's Ever's the Chance. Well, no, I just missed them, but I did work with Hack Wilson. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was very exciting. Yep. Uh, when he'd come uh, to the ballpark in the morning, uh, mm-hmm. half stiff still from the night before. And, 
you'd, you'd get the big tub of ice water they used to have. Sure. You know, bloop, and they'd, bloop, they'd, bloop, they'd push Hack Wilson down, and the big, you know, those big kegs of ice in the old days, and the ice would like float back to the top as they'd put Hack go down, bloop, the ice keg, uh, ice block would come up. Mm-hmm. So, vote right now. Uh, I want to ask our guy Felix the Cat in a minute also to uh, cast his vote, but. Right now, the talk of the town and the talk of baseball, it is, you know, MVP. Now, I have not heard the chanting MVP. I I went to a lot of Cubs games in April and May, Fred, right. because you know why? Because nobody else wanted to go. It was too cold. Well, it's easier to get tickets and they're cheaper. Right. Right. So yeah. that's that's a story of, of mercy. Yeah, I you know, know the people were still going, but I mean, it, you know, it's cold. A lot of people want to wait till it gets nice out there. Right, right. So the scenery becomes better. I haven't been at the games in the last few, any games in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. But I have the radio on or the TV on. I'm monitoring and watching, you know. And I have not heard MVP. And I'm not having, you know, do what you want. I'm not saying let's start to chant. I'm not doing right. that on old radio bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and maybe there has been some chanting. If I missed it, three three two three seven seven six. But. You're looking at a guy right now that keeps gathering steam for an MVP berth. And it's not something that happens very often, as we know. Right. At Andre Dawson uh, back in the day after uh, Bryant, and then you had uh, Rhino, you know, and uh, before that, uh, Ernie Banks. If I missed anybody, I apologize, Cub fans. But right now, you've got a guy that's doing everything. We talked about the five tools the other day, a couple mm-hmm. centuries ago. I think all the all fans, even casual fans, you hear, oh, he's a five-tool player. Right. That's sort of an old-school thing, you know, hit, hit with power, run, field, and throw. And there is now the uh, sixth tool, which is sort of the intangible. The scouts will now have a his knowledge of the game, innate ability, you know, love of the game, the hustle, the... Uh, seeing the play before it happened. I mean, it's everything that Javi does. And, and you hear Joe Mann talking about it. You see the game, you know it. But the one that was hanging us up was uh, the hit. Hit with power, run right. field, and right. hit. Because no one uses hit anymore. Batting average is, you know, laugh at that. It's on base percentage. And Javi doesn't have that on base percentage. You nope. Know? He doesn't have the on base percentage. So. Jesse was on earlier this week, and he was talking about it. We'll have Jesse on at 11. And sort of itemizing, you know, well, he does this. You watched the Cub game yesterday. Mm -hmm. And here all of a sudden, you got a guy showing the power. He's got the homer oppo and the triple oppo, but the run, field, and throw. He made a play. We have all the sound bites here. Felix will have those up for us now. But he made a play. The Cubs, by the way, threw two men out at the plate. Yes, they did. Not to bring us back to Tim Anderson, uh, you know, being thrown out right. at the plate. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. But uh, yesterday's Cubs game, to see two guys, Padres, a Padre thrown out in the eighth inning by a throw. Now, the infield was not in. The infield was not sucked in, Fred. Right. They were playing. At first, I thought they were maybe halfway. They were normal. Mm-hmm. They were normal depth. I The only other person... Let me rephrase. The only other Cub player I've ever seen that could throw a guy out at home from that 
positioning of second base was Manny Trio. And I know a lot of our fans, who was he? Well, he was a, a guy in the uh, late 70s, uh, you know, early 80s. And, and uh, Manny Trio, he had the, the rocket for the arm, Fred. Yeah. And, and he would flip it. He would just flip it with a flick. And uh, this guy, Baez, he throws people out. He runs the bases. It's unbelievable. Safe again yesterday. Felix, uh, are you ready to uh, trigger a few things for us here, buddy? Absolutely. All right, cool. Let's do this. Let's review with audio sound bites of the Cubs TV yesterday. And this is our good friends over at NBC Chicago Sports. Let's start here with uh, the Baez home run. This is uh, second inning. It'll put the Cubs up uh, one to nothing. Uh, Felix, trigger that, please. High drive to right. Will hit. And it is gone. One to nothing. Into the wind. Tyson Ross has hit an opposite field home run, and now we know he's allowed at least one. Javi Baez goes deep for the 23rd time. He now has driven in 84. Ties his career high. Yeah, J.D. went on to say, too, Tyson Ross was trying to go with a backup slider, I think it was, and the ball was out over the plate, letter mm-hmm. high. It was a perfect place for Javi to hit. He threw him a strike, and uh, he just left it up there, and, and Javi did what he does with it. He went the other way, and he's been very good at going the other That's way this year. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And you heard there, Apo. When this guy goes oppo, he really has no hole in his swing. You can't get him out. Well, if he lays off the away, slider down and away. Right. Well, right. Yeah. Of course. And, and for, for it amazed me and it amazed J.D. that Tyson Ross would leave that pitch where he left it yesterday. And his, stri- his strikeout total is down mm-hmm. this year, Baez. He now has 84 RBIs, first in the National League. There's only one guy in baseball that has more, and it's J.D. Martinez. That's right, Boston. He's 90. He's been banging him off the mm-hmm. green monster. So Javi right now is sitting at with a slash line of a batting average 299. That's, that's amazing for him. The on-base, oh, here's the problem. The on-base is only 333. You can't be the MVP with a bad on-base, or can you? With a bad on-base percentage, his slug is a, a 580 right now. But he doesn't just hit the ball. No, no, no. He, uh, he plays the field. He, he runs around. Here's the top of the eighth inning. Here's the throw from uh, regular positioning of second base. The Cubs are leading 4-2. to two. Runner coming to the plate. There's a ground ball to uh, Baez at, se- at uh, second base. And Fred, the runner coming home, I don't think he ever dreamed that the ball was going to be thrown home. He didn't get a good break. It wasn't like a contact play at the infield's back. I believe he felt there's no second baseman mm-hmm. can throw me out from where that guy's standing. On a bounce. Here comes a throw to the plate. Jankowski is out. He hesitated. Did not go right off the bat on contact. Baez throws him out. (laughs) If you're not watching MLB tonight, every night, you're missing out. Because last night, Joe Girardi broke down that play. And he showed where Jankowski was off the base at third base and how far the third baseman was away from the base. Yeah. And uh, Joe Girardi showed, and he said, listen, when you're on third base, 
you get off as far as the third baseman is away from third base. He can't get back any quicker than you can get back, so you can get off. And he did not have a a good lead. His lead wasn't nearly what it should have been at third base. And as a result, Javi was able to throw home and get him out. How many other second basemen could have thrown him out? Javi's throw was a little off, but it was good that it was up the line as opposed to the other side. He was about five to ten feet up the line. Well, maybe he threw it off intentionally. Well, that would be bad because you want to throw it to the plate Uh because otherwise the guy could get past the catcher. But... You know, and he he got it there quick enough, and Jankowski was slow getting to the plate, so he throws him out. Now, the other thing, while he's fielding the ground ball, does he know that Jankowski got a slow break? He may have. No, no, he's... while he's looking at the ball coming at him. I oh, mean. I don't know. But he may have been able to look at third base and see that he wasn't off the base. Uh-huh. And that's probably what he did see. When the he... ball was coming to him, you mean? The no, as, as, as the pitch is coming, right. he sees that Jankowski's right. not off the base enough, and he knows he can get the guy because he doesn't have a good secondary lead. He still, though, has to look up once he feels the ball and then make a split-second decision to throw home or get the out at first. Yeah, unless, unless he was in his head all the time. Okay. If it comes to me, I'm going home because this guy doesn't have a good lead at third. Well, I've never seen a throw uh, like that. Like I said, maybe Trio did it once or twice. So he's he's always in the uh, in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. Javi Baez. He uh, then says, uh, "Well, you know what? I've already hit a homer. I've already made the uh, the great throw uh, home to uh, nail the uh, runner in the." Uh, yeah, he said, but you know what? This was a time now to uh, I put another run on the board in the bottom of the eighth. He says, you know what? I'm leading off here. Uh, Cubs are up four to two, bottom of the eighth. I'm going to drill another ball opposite field uh, into the wind, by the way. The homer was into the wind. And the next ball here, he drives uh, to right field. Said, you know what? I like uh, stretching uh, doubles into a triple just to aggravate everybody that says never be the uh, first out at third base. Because remember, Joe Mann said, I don't care about that mm-hmm. rule anymore. And I have to think that one through long and hard because I think there's a lot to be said about never be the first or third out, you know, at third base. But Joe said, I don't care. I, I don't want to put the reins on these guys. So, uh, Javi, uh, you know, he says, I'm, I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to keep running and see if they can uh, uh, throw me out. Jordan Lyles as Baez packs another one to deep right, and it's going to one-hop the wall. Baez trying for three. The throw there. Save! He's always safe. <laughs> we were having a conversation yesterday about the most exciting play in baseball. I'm going to go with the Javi Baez triple. Because even when it looks like they got a shot at him, he manages to pull it off. As he highlights again, NBC Chicago Sports, Len and uh, JD. The swim move is an interesting thing, Fred. It's, you know, been around forever, but. No one really has, I don't want to say perfected it. No one's really utilized it as much as uh, it seems like uh, the, the Baez, Contreras used it. Uh, El, uh, not El Mora. He used it, but... Uh, what do you oh, call this now? The swim move. Oh, the swim move. I'm okay. sorry. Thank you, Fred. Where, you know, you're sliding in head first. You expose your left hand. The guy with the gloves ready to take the whoop. You pull it back and you come over with the other hand. Right. And it seems like a play that is defensible. Mm-hmm. Seems like if I'm standing there with the ball at third base or second base, the throw beat him. Throw beats him all the time, it yeah. seems, and he always ends up being in there safe. It seems like if you've got the ball, you're the second baseman, shortstop at second, or the third baseman yesterday, you got the ball a good uh, you know two strides before he's on you, 
He's sliding head first. Instead of trying to stab towards his outreached hand with the ball in your glove, and then, whoa, he pulls it away, and you go, oh, man, I fell for it again. Mm -hmm. Would you not just maybe put the glove and the ball down on the bag and then be quick, just ready to tag the hand? As opposed to trying to... Something's got to eventually get to the bag. Yeah. Why are you always poking and stabbing at it? Right. Three three two three seven seven six. Yeah, if you got the if you got the glove on the bag, the guy's got to come to the bag. So eventually, right. one way or the other. So vote right now. We'll get right to the phones. Three three two three seven seven six. Area codes three one two. Most exciting Cubs player: Sammy Sosa, Javi Baez, Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson. Let's go out to uh, Norwood Park. This is Jack? Hello, Jackson. Hey, Mark Fred, how are you guys this Saturday? Good, Jack. Good. Good. Uh, well, for me, I I hate to say this because I don't I don't like the guy as a person. I just don't. And I, uh, it has to be Sammy because in 1998, I was 25 years old, and I that season I think I went to I'll bet you 15 to 20 games, and I think I sat in the left field bleachers for almost every one of those games, and it was like uh it was like a show, man. Uh, so. And Sammy was out there, and he was putting them out in the street during batting practice and hitting them down Kenmore and stuff. I definitely have him number one. So that's my that's yeah. my vote for sure. Well, that's cool. So, let, let me just ask you this as a follow up, Jack. And I have a feeling that sure. uh, your vote uh, will be in in line with I think the winning vote. But I haven't looked yet to, to see all our uh, uh, Twitter poll uh, uh, voters. Let me ask you this: I guess it base it's all on based on the word exciting. Exactly. You know, the most exciting Cubs player now. Hey, home runs are exciting. I'm not going to sit here and say they're not. But did you hear Jim Deshays? He said on the cut we played on the triple. And Jim Deshays sure. said, you know, the triple might be the most exciting play in baseball. Mm -hmm. Now, that's just, again, how you, it's how you define it. And I know Sammy hit some triples. Don't get me wrong. But Sammy gained weight. How? We know how, but uh, we maybe we don't how. know. Okay, we whatever. But he slowed down. <laughs> you know, he was a panther when he was young with the White Sox yeah. and then the Cubs. Slim and trim. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he could, was. I mean, he could go first to third as our old buddy Jack Brickhouse. He was picking them up and laying them down. Whatever that meant, I guess his feet. Right, Fred? We never had to worry about that ourselves. I think he got it from the horse racing. Arnie Harris probably told him That's that. That's right. Yeah. But how about a pinpoint throw from a medium deep second base to home? Running the ball double into a triple. Uh, stealing home. Oh, uh, you're forgetting about all those great Sammy throws. Yeah. Well, I mean, like watching Javi is <laughs> Sammy throws. amazing because he does stuff like all the time. And I'm not going to lie. When I first saw him at first, I'm like, this guy's a hot dog. He's a showboat. Uh -huh. You know what? He hustles all the time. He breaks his butt out there. He makes ridiculous plays, mm -hmm. slides, or bases. Gets under your skin if you're on the other team. I guarantee it. I, got you, I bet you 30, the other teams in the majors can't stand him because he gets under their skin. So you're changing your vote. You're changing your vote. You're convincing yourself you just changed your vote to Javi, right? Yeah, he could be. He's kind of like the uh, uh, Freddie. You might like this. He's kind of like the AJ Przinsky. You like him when he's on your team. Yeah, except but everybody that, else hates him. Right, except AJ. You 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 liked him. A you know, you hated him a little less if he was on your team. With Javi, oh, yeah, with Javi, hey, you love him. Period. Hey, 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 Murph, real quick yeah. before I go. Yeah. When I would watch a Cubs or a Sox game. Uh, I'm a huge Cubs fan. I'm not a Sox fan. Never have been. 
Um, my grandfather was, so I guess I should be. But uh, anytime I see Pruszynski on TV and I tell to my friends, I go, tell me if you saw this guy in a bar and you said, who's the biggest jerk in this bar without even knowing who he is? Yeah. I go, you'd point right at Pruszynski. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate your call. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. What was the old expression? He, he might be a... He might be a son of a bee, but he's ours. He's ours. Son yeah. of a bee. There's no doubt. Three three two three seven seven six. Vote right now. Most exciting Cubs player, the MVP chant. It's going to start today. It'll be there at Wrigley Field today. I don't know if it's already occurred a few times. If so, I apologize. I hadn't heard it. Jesse Rogers. I have a soundbite here, Felix. We have a soundbite, Fred. Uh, Jesse was on. And this was Thursday. So this obviously is uh, uh, not accounting for uh, yesterday's uh, exciting uh, day for Baez. And uh, Jesse's talking about MVP. And, you know, the MVP is a numbers thing. You know, Mm -hmm. home runs, RBIs, counting stats, as the phrase is, or on base. And uh, Jesse, well, Jesse said, well, maybe there's more, more to that. Here's the thing. He's sort of behind the eight ball because the one thing that jumps out is on on base percentage. He ranks, I believe, 51st in the NL and on base. And, and, and then when you talk about the power numbers, a guy like Arenado has the same power numbers as Javi, but the on base is like 400, right? The same thing with Freddie Freeman. So they have him there. But Joe's point is well taken here. How come people will point out Javi's low on base, but they don't point out that Arenado has two steals and Javi's about to enter the 2020 club? They don't point out that Javi plays defense. Now, Arenado does as well, but Javi runs the bases probably better than anybody in the league. For the most part, he gets in some trouble, but he forces the, the defense into mistakes. So my point is, for some of the negatives, there are, there are some positives that offset it that I don't know if national people are taking notice of. I hope they do. Very well said. That was Jesse, who yep. will phone in around at, at 10 o'clock. Keys to the, well, by the way, uh, the Cubs are still in first place, though Milwaukee had a uh, thrilling uh, late-inning victory, Fred. I know that you were uh, here listening to that. I was listening to Bob Euchre. Cubs stay one game ahead of Milwaukee. Uh, six and a half, seven and a half, and 15 against the rest of the pick. The wild card in the National League is really up for grabs. Right now, Milwaukee is a game and a half in front of the uh, Atlanta Braves, who are in second place. Two teams to recall, you know, recap for the wild card, but right behind them, a half game back, Arizona and the Dodgers. So basically, you got four teams within, uh, you know, a hula hoop right there. A what? Within a hula hoop right there of wild card. If the season, I know you people hate this when I say, if the season were to end today, uh, the Cubs, with the best record overall, not by much anymore, would face the uh, winner of the one game wild card. Uh, whatever you call it, playoff, one game, Mm -hmm. right? Which would be between Milwaukee and Atlanta. So it's conceivable the Cubs could meet the Brewers in the first round with Philadelphia and Arizona uh, or the Dodgers. It's still up for grabs. But the Cubs this morning still one game up. What's, What's interesting, the Cubs have played four fewer games than the Brewers. Cubs 63 and 46, that's 109 games. Brewers... 64-79, 64-79, a game back. 64-49. and 49. 49, yeah. thank you, Fred. Uh, 113 back. So the Cubs have uh, four games like in hockey in hand. Cubs have four more games to play. That's not necessarily good. No, not if you don't win them. Well, 
True, very right. true. Yeah. But more, also more than that, that means four more games where the Brewers can be resting their pitchers, not having, they're having a day off, mm-hmm. resting their bullpen, resting their guys. And the Cubs will be playing four games when the Brewers are off. So that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Well, and Jesse mentioned, too, when this whole series started with the Padres, you had four with the Padres and three then in Kansas City. So he said the the Cubs should go at least five and two in this. You've got to make hay when you're playing bad teams. And Lord knows the Padres are the worst team in the National League. And uh, the Royals are really, really bad. And so you look at this. Right now they're one and one. And they're, if I'm not mistaken, they're eight and eight since the All-Star break. Keys to the Cub game yesterday. They threw two men out at home plate. Javi Baez, uh, now in, definitely in the MVP talk with the homer, the triple, and uh, one of the uh, outs at home. We can't miss the David Bodie throw because that was, uh, that, to me, yeah. that was almost more amazing because he went to his left and he really had to get the ball to the plate quickly, and he did. And that was the tying run in the ninth inning. That's we'll, right. We'll have that when we return. And Jose Pat Hughes can, really calmed down after that throw out at the plate. Jose, he was a little nervous up until that point. <laughs> Jose Quintana, now this is the type of guy that they were uh, hoping for all along, starting to string together some nice outings. Ten wins. Quality start yesterday. Uh, I know pa- wins don't mean anything. Pedro Oh, for the pitcher. Yeah. Pretty soon I'll say, and wins for the team don't even matter anymore. Scherzer's got 15, (laughs) and there are only 18 pitchers in baseball that have more. Only 18 pitchers in baseball that have more wins than uh, Quintana, but that wins don't mean anything. And the bullpen always keeps you on the edge of your seat. I see we have... uh... Caller David, when we come back, Pedro Strope, another nail-biter. Rizzo, a single, a single, and a home run into the into the wind. Uh, 19 games since he's been put in the uh, leadoff yeah. spot. 375, 471, 639, his slash line, four homers, 12 RBIs. He's now up to, you're right, up to 263 overall right now after uh, muddling around there in the low 200s. Uh, we'll get to a little bit of Bears talk, and we do have at 11 o'clock a, a special phone call be coming in from Arthur Arkish over at Pro Football uh, Weekly. So busy day, Jesse in a half hour, Murph and Fred. Last chance, we'll have the results, and we return. Most exciting Cub player, Sammy Sosa, Javi Baez, Rhino, or the Hawk, Andre Dawson. Vote now at ESPN 1000. trying to hang on here in the night. Throw goes to the plate. Out at the plate. And the Padres, I'm sure, will just ask for a review. Andy Green already saying, please look at it. David Bodie continues to impress, uh, both in the batter's box and in the field. Watch how quickly he gets rid of this baseball. Contact play is on. There's no panic at all. Slides over. Two-hand catch, so he wastes no time at all making that transfer into the throwing hand. Tag applied. I don't think he ever got to the plate. Yeah, so no review. Well, they ran out of reviews. Highlights there. NBC Chicago Sports. Murph and Fred will get right back to the phones. Jesse Rogers in a half hour. Awesome play by Bodie. Bodie at third, and that was 5-4 to Cubs. 
top of the ninth. Pod's got a man on top. the Friars. You know, everybody's calling the Friars now, news and, and the, okay, whatever, the Padres. I understand the Buckos. That's mm-hmm. sort of cool. The Padres. Okay. So, Bodie, he's pulled in, infields in, contact play. And I don't understand that. If, if the ball's hit to an infielder, they're sucked in. You're going to have the contact play. You know, you got a good chance of being out because it's got to be right to the fielder with the infield end to, to glove it. And, well, and actually, he had to make a he had well, to he make did. a nice play to his left. He did because it wasn't directly at him. He had to actually yeah. make a nice play to his left. He had to take a step or so to his left, grab it, and then still be able to turn and make a nice throw. And he did. It was so great. The Padres, I guess, they decided we'd rather have an out at home gamble that he scores than that runner on third and two out, which was probably right because the next hitter was a pinch hitter struck out in the game. Didn't they have a couple of guys thrown out the night before also. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I you know, there's a reason the Padres are where they are. I mean, Wayman Wendell Kim must have come back and been the third base coach for the Padres because they've had like four guys thrown out at home. Butterfield's lucky. We don't have time to talk about the Cub third base. Worst third base coach I've ever seen. No, it, oh, yeah. it can't be. Oh, you've, no. seen, you've seen so many more. And I'm not even uh, basing this on uh, when to send and when not to. Okay. Waving or not waving. This is he's brutal. But. Uh, Jesse joins us in a few minutes. Jesse's talking about the MVP vote and uh, how it's more than just the, the stats and uh, Javi Baez, but he's also exciting. I don't know if there's a, you know, MEP, most exciting player, or if that should even those intangibles be considered for most valuable. I guess not, but maybe it is. If it fires up your team and uh, rallies the club like Baez seemed to do. Yeah, where would the Cubs be without Baez this year? As it goes to show you, most valuable. Yeah. Who, who would be up against him for most valuable in the National League? And, you know, you're right, Fred. And is it more valuable to have a, a, you know, a guy that hits a lot of homers but doesn't help you in the field? No, I understand Arenado is a gold glove third baseman. Don't get me wrong. But this guy helps you. He's a six-tool player. Yeah. He hits, hits with power, run, field, throw, the conventional five, and the new sixth tool, He uh, the intangibles. Who's, uh, got, who's, who's got a better, I mean... I don't understand who would be no. ahead of Javi Baez. Right. Who is more valuable to their team than Javi Baez is to the Cubs right now? Is there somebody in Philly that's more valuable? Uh, is there somebody in Atlanta? I mean, I know Acuna, and uh, he's a young guy, and Ozzy Albies, and, you know, Herrera, but are they more valuable to their team right now than uh, Javi Baez is to the Cubs? I don't I, think so. I, I mean, because, you know, again, the voters are going to, a lot of them going to vote just on the stats. Well, they may or may not. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. And, I don't think anybody's going to look. I really don't think anybody's going to look at Javi's on base and say, "Well, he he leads the National League in RBIs and his average is three hundred. I hear that but his on base time. isn't high enough, all so stat- we can't give it to him. But that, Fred, all, you know this, all the stat people here, oh, but his on base is no good. Yeah, but that, you that's know what? what they're going to say. Yeah, but that's you know that's that's that has nothing mm-hmm. to do with valuable. He's a, he's the most valuable player. Let's see if we can get a definition for most valuable Cubs player. Cubs bullpen, uh, another rough ride yesterday. Uh, Kinsler comes in with the bases loaded, two out in the uh, what eight top of the eighth, and uh, throws his, uh, gets a one batter out. Villanueva, who hits a, a rocket, a screamer, and Bodie's right there, almost took his knees <laughs> off. Yeah. Would have been would have been three runs. That ball rattling around down in the left field corner. Uh, in fact, let's quick go to the phones. David's next in Evanston. Then we're going to get the uh, Twitter poll results of the most exciting Cubs player. Hey, David, it's Murph and Fred. Good morning. Hey, guys, good morning. Hey. You guys. Number one, I lo- love you all so. Thanks. Love the Cubs. 
Uh, Javi Baez, no question about it, the most excited player in baseball Hold on. today. More, you must be too young. You don't remember Sammy? Andre and Rhino? Listen, I said today. Listen, who else, uh-huh. who else brings the excitement and the runs? And the guy that steals bases, I mean, he makes he makes the other team make mistakes. That's not the reason I'm calling them. Mm-hmm. I love Javi Baez. I'm calling about Pedro the disaster stroke. <laughs> I don't know what it is with Joe Madden. We almost lost that game yesterday. Oh, yeah. Thanks to Pedro Stroke. Mm-hmm. No, look, I know this guy real well. Baltimore got rid of him for a reason. Now, I called him one of the earlier shows, and they said, well, he's got great numbers. You know, he does have deceptively good numbers. This is the problem with Pedro Stroke, though. He's good until somebody gets on base. And yeah. you notice yesterday? No, you're right. You're right. Guy, Seriously, once somebody gets on base, Joe needs to pull him. But let's say nervous. But David, let's say this: he's not a closer. He, you know, what he is. He's a terrific sixth inning man, or a very good, you know, professional seventh inning man. Because of Morrow, it's a mix and match, and everything's up for grabs. And uh, it's tough for me to sit here and criticize Stroke. Though everything you said is true, don't get me wrong. And it was uh, he almost coughed it up again in the ninth inning. But he's not. But that's not who he's supposed to be, and he never and he never will be. So you know, we we agree on that, right? I guess my whole point is, yeah. I don't understand why Joe keeps the, the thing with Pedro Strope is he's good again until somebody gets on base. And as soon as somebody gets on base, you got to pull Pedro Strope. But, but he gets you, hey, David, who would he you who would you suggest he, he go to yesterday? I mean, he used everybody. He, he used Edwards, Cishek, Rosario, Kinsler. He's used them all already. He had that guy Cortez, I still think. Anybody with Pedro is my answer. I think he had that guy Cortez <laughs> was still in there. Anybody but Pedro, I'm telling you. Pedro Strope. Is not the man to pitch when the game is on the line. Oh, you mean Cha- you mean Chavez? There you go. Yeah, Chavez was still there. Chavez pitched the day before, I think. But I also, yeah. well, you know what? So what? Big deal. You know, get him <laughs> up there. I agree. David, I agree with you. On David, that part. Fred, David, Stan, Fred. Let's go to a bigger picture. There's an old baseball expression, and we've all heard it, David, uh, for a million years. Uh, if you have bullpen by committee or closer by committee, you don't have mm-hmm. a closer. Well, right. they well they don't have a closer. They don't have one right see? now. Not with Morrow out. So see what Joe's doing, and then you know Joe doesn't need me to defend him. But what Joe's doing is he says, you know what, I'm going to just move this around. I don't think he wants Edwards ever in the uh, CJ Edwards in the ninth inning. He knows the kid's psyche. He probably figures, you know what, he's my seventh or eighth inning guy. Now yeah. C C Sheck is an eighth inning guy, and he's had him in the ninth inning. He threw I the like ball him. away into center field yesterday. That was terrible. Or he'd have had a, a, a much cleaner inning. Right. This new right. guy, Kinsler, you know, he's been a closer. and uh, a good choice. Well, he almost he really coughed is. it up, though, with the aforementioned yeah. liner. To, so, and, and said, so, you know what? This is Stropey's turn. Anybody but Strope. Oh. <laughs> All right. I can't argue with you. Thanks, David. Thank, uh, David, phone Thanks again, buddy. You know, you know the, the thing with me is, yeah. and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Hector Rondon went an inning and a third and closed for the uh, the Astros last night. I'll double-check that. Mm-hmm. But Kinsler came in and threw two pitches. I don't care the one was hit to end the inning. Why not go with him in the ninth and not bring Pedro Strope oh, let's in? See. Now, Kinsler had not two pitched. Pitches. He pitched Wednesday for an inning and a third. Uh-huh. 
So maybe he came here with a tired arm from Washington. I mean, wait, I, you're right. Well, from driving, well, maybe. No, 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 that's he right, drove I all the that. way in. But I think, I think, so, I, Pittsburgh, I think he know? probably had a car service, but yeah. Yeah, it's... yeah. Well, not he wasn't behind the wheel. But, you know, there's a lot behind the scenes. Okay, Joe Price said, you know what? I only have one. I only want to use Kinsler for one batter yeah. before the game. It's, well, that's that's the out. problem with baseball nowadays well, is you can't let a guy go the next inning. Well, right. It's not three. It's not Bruce Soter pitching coming in in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Seventh, eighth, and ninth, and then his then he had a knot the size of a tennis ball behind his shoulder, and he had surgery. So they've learned more now about how to. And I people won't like this. How to you know babies the wrong word because that'll get people. Baby, these millionaires. Well, but that's not necessarily the wrong but way. It's, a not lot the of money. Word, it's not the word the baseball guys would use, no. but it's probably the right word. They're managing their, you know, pitch count. Yeah, here, I, want, I want to double check this really quick because yeah. I, I heard it last night. Okay. And I was listening to uh, some baseball highlights last night. And uh, Justin Verlander went seven and two thirds yesterday. Mm hmm. And who do they go to? They go to Hector Rondon for the last inning in the third. Rondon threw 22 pitches. In an inning and a third. He's efficient. Hector Rondon, former Cub guy. Now, I'm sorry, if you're Kinsler, you're warmed up in the bullpen. You're probably mm-hmm. through 15 to 20 pitches, maybe more. You come in, you threw two pitches. You could go in the next inning. Maybe Joe saw that rocket to third and changed his mind. Well, he could have. <laughs> he could have. But, you know, I, I just don't like the way managers use their bullpen. They complain so much about having to go so deep in the bullpen. Yesterday, Renteria did the same thing with the White Sox. One one guy, bring him in. One face, one batter, bring him out. One batter, bring him out. One batter, come on. Well, here's the thing. And again, they don't have a closer. No. So, I, well, right. Without Morrow, they don't have one. See, I think Joe's actually having uh, his best year, and we can talk about that. Hey, let's bring in uh, Felix the Cat. Felix, what were the results, please? Uh, 9 a.m., most exciting Cubs player. We only have four slots here. So it's Sammy Sosa, Javi Baez, Rhino, and Andre Dawson. If we'd asked this a week or two or three ago, it's, you know, Sammy in a runaway. It might still be. But I got to figure Javi, he gets my vote. Fred, what do you think the fans voted? Oh, it's, you... uh, it's going to be Javi 80%, if not more. Felix, you're a, a, a good baseball knowledgeable fan, not just a good fan, a knowledgeable fan. Uh, did you vote for this? Did you? Uh, I, to... I did vote. All right. And if and if we're talking now, then Javi Bice is the answer. But if it's just overall, from what I remember, Sammy Sosa definitely was. Uh, that that uh-huh. yeah that that made me watch Cubs games day in and day out for sure. So I'm confused. What was what, what was your vote? I voted Sammy Sosa. <laughs> okay, what the fans say? All right, so 63 percent say Javi Bias. There you go. At 25 percent, we got Sammy Sosa. Nine percent Ryan Sandberg and three percent Andre Dawson. Wow, it's a runaway. 63% Javi Baez. Thank you, Felix. It's amazing because people that watch Ryan Sandberg, he never made these spectacular plays because he never had to. He was there. He was always there. <laughs> he was there. Every time the ball was hit towards second base, he was there. He never dove. He no. never had to. As no. a White Sox fan growing up, I said, if I could ever have one guy from the Cubs on my team, uh-huh. it would be Ryan Sandberg because he was always there. And when he needed the big hit, he was there. And when the Cardinals were in and Costas was doing the game, he belted two homers off Bruce Suter. I mean, he, he was there. It I was almost, unbelievable. I almost got my hands on both his balls. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The first homer was just to my left and Rhino's second homer in the bleach. 
Rachel's just to my right. Cubs lineup is out already. The thing that used to irritate the heck out of me was, and you brought it up, you got it there. Uh, f- fans would say, Sandberg never dives like you were saying. <laughs> never dives. You know, there's a ball between first yeah. and second. It gets passed between Grace and Sandberg in the old days. Uh, you know, chopper to hopper. And there was I didn't there was no sports talk radio yet right eighty four uh-huh. eighty six right. and I I didn't have this yeah this little device uh huh so why get a sports phone it would drive, so it would drive were me able nuts to say that then. I go your dad blames Samer for not diving he's no. always there right. to get the ball if he, he can't get to it he can't get to it if he doesn't dive for it it means he ain't getting to it here's our uh, nine thirty Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll vote right now at ESPN one thousand. Joe Madden's best managerial year, question mark, 2015, 2016, 2017, or 2018. Joe Madden's best managerial year, 2015, 16, 17, or 18. Vote right now. The Cubs lineup out now. Probably no, no surprises, really. Hendricks is hitting eighth again. But no. as long as Rizzo's leading Don't off, get me started. As long as Rizzo's leading off, I've changed my way. mind. I've had it to hear with the pitcher bat number eight, and I'll tell you why <laughs> specifically uh, when Jesse comes on. Okay. Maybe Jesse can run down and say, Joe, Joe, can I help him make the lineup again like when I wrote the book? Rizzo's leading off, Zobrist at second, Hayward in right, Baez at third, Schwarber hitting fifth in left field, and Happen center, Contreras behind the plate, Hendricks is on the hill, and Russell is at shortstop. Albert Almora is in a massive slump. Can I tell you? Oh, you know why? He's not going oppo. The Cubs had six hits oppo yesterday. Two of them, the Baez, Homer, and mm-hmm. Triple. Here's what happens. Remember, they all started going oppo after the uh, Chili Davis meeting, game two in right. L.A. about six weeks ago, after Almora and Russell were trying to roll over, that means pull, uh, left-handed uh, change-ups on the outside corner and kept rolling over into double plays, and Chili Davis finally popped a cork and told these guys, read them the uh, law, that you're going to go the other way. All of a sudden, about a week ago, guess who's not going the other way anymore? Almora. Yeah. And he's in the tank. He bounced into two double plays the other day in the same game. Yeah, pulling. Yeah. Russell, he's in the tank. All of a sudden, now what? They got big whiskey muscles. We're going to yank everything again. What's wrong with these guys? And let me tell you something about our, our guy, the uh, not to say hey kid. That was Willie Mays. The Jay hey kid. Jason Struggling Hayward. Well. Yep. He's worse now than he was the first two months. He hit one ball hard in the last seven days. One. Mm-hmm. Now, he had, well, if he had three hits in one game, he had two of those were uh, sort of uh, five-hop grounders just through the uh, infield. He's been abysmal. you got to remember what he did yesterday, though. He hit a rocket the opposite way. And the third baseman mm-hmm. and the shift, instead of being over towards short, he was at third base. Which was interesting, I thought. Mm-hmm. He was uh, maybe they realized that when Hayward goes the other way, he hits him more towards the line. I'm pretty sure it was yesterday's game. He had a rocket, and it was uh, the third baseman got it. So it was either yesterday or the day before. Well, if he doesn't start hitting, here's the thing: the Cubs need they need Bryant. They, they, well, need, they, need, he, they need they haven't had him all year. They need Darvish uh, since his original injury, and they need Morrow. Now Theo had a terrific July. Just a terrific July. He obtains a starting pitcher, and so far, so good on Hamels. We'll see. So far, so good. 
Yankee obtained two veteran right-handed uh, sinker ball pitchers, uh, Chavitz and uh, and uh, Chavez and Kinsler. Kinsler. Terrific pickups. Yeah, I know. Chavitz threw the three-run homer uh, after the uh, walk, put the man on. He came in a uh, blooper and a homer. No disputing that. But Theo's been terrific. And, uh, and having Bodie in the farm system, a 14th-round pick that back in 19, uh, 2012, rather. I know I give Theo a rough ride. He deserves some praise when he does it right. Vote right now. We'll have the results when we return. And something, oh, something Rick Sutcliffe said about Joe Madden. Yesterday, Miss a little, Miss a lot. Uh, oh, they've, no. all, they've all been scolded ever since they talked about uh, the U Darvish. Ever since we kept replaying it. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. minutes away from Jesse Rogers. Bears fans, 11 o'clock. Arthur Arkish. Oh, he's the best over there at Pro Football Weekly. Get right back now on the Cubs beat. Murph and Fred every Saturday 9 till noon. Right, uh, our current Twitter poll is you have a minute or two remaining to vote at ESPN 1000. Bum, 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 bum. Joe Madden's Best manager of the uh, best managerial season with the Cubs, 2015. He was manager of the year, 2015, I believe, and twice with Tampa Bay. Best uh, year for Joe, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. I have a feeling uh, that this vote is not going to go the way old Murpho is expecting, Fred. Uh, I say it's right now. Uh I say this is his best. Now, I know you don't think it matters, so maybe you're the wrong guy to... I would, say, vote here. I would say 2015 because the team uh-huh. that wasn't supposed to get to yeah. the postseason did. Well, good point. So he, that's probably what I would a go manager with. of the year. Mm-hmm. He was, absolutely. But I In will, 15 he was? I, I think so, and not 16 for some. Not when he won, huh? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure. Feeling just, you can leisurely look that up later. You know what? We don't have to be 100% right all the time because we never are anyway. Why start We're, now? We let everybody else go to Google yeah, and find out. The, yeah, do it for yeah. Uh, Oh, by the way, yeah. the definition for most valuable player, oh, according yeah. to Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Oh, I like her. The player who contributes the most to his or her team's success. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's Javi Baez. They should, they actually, I'm surprised there wasn't a picture of Javi Baez when they looked up most valuable player. In other words, there could be a guy better. Better stats. There could be a better player on another team, but he's not that team's most valuable player. He's not contributing to the team's success. Exactly. Yeah, you get great numbers. Well, that's why it made no sense that Andre Dawson won an MVP. Well, you don't have to be. Like, Bryant could be having, or, you know, Rizzo. Someone could end up with a better year numbers-wise. But according to that definition... Contributes the most to his or her team's success. Well, there you go. There you go. Yep. Uh, Let's bring in uh, Felix DeCat. In fact, first, though, we got Rick Sutcliffe here. Sut was on uh, yesterday. Miss a little, miss a lot. And sort of what made me think about this. uh, Rick, what do you think about... uh, uh, Joe's year. Is this a good year for Joe Madden? I don't think Joe Madden has ever in his career ever uh, done a better job as a manager. Um, sticking with Strope today, 
I mean, that was that was just unbelievable. You know, you you had both um, you had Wilson and 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 and, uh, and and Chavez was ready to go down there. It would have been a lot of times the manager kind of feels like he's covering his rear end by making a move. If you don't make a move, then you're going to get criticized. I made a move. They had these certain numbers that said that. You know, he just put a lot of, of faith in Pedro, and and uh, you know, I, I I don't think Joe gets enough credit for what he was able to do there. There's Rick Sutcliffe. Me, I'll say this. The starting pitching, other than Lester, has been in disarray. He's got pitching starters leaving after four or five innings. The bullpen, now without a closer, it's mix and match. Mm-hmm. Bryant's out. He's had injuries. He's, you know, oh, he keeps changing the lineup. He keeps changing the batting order. Oh! Yeah, well, they still have more victories right now. Last I looked, they're what? Anyone in, ba- in uh, baseball or did the uh, Red Sox pass them? But mo- most in the National well, the Red League. Red Sox have 70, Yeah, most in the National League, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's doing all his mixing and matching and flipping and flopping. Well, actually, the Brewers won more, but they have they got four and f- played four more games. Right. Did you get to look up the years for Joe yet to correct me again? Because no. I'm glad you do that. Cause I, no, I didn't look I, that one up. I just winning thought, percentage. I, Cubs are the best winning percentage, right? In the National League, yeah. Yes. Okay. Five seventy eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the fans said. I got it. I'm voting right now. Twenty eighteen. Felix the Cat. How'd it turn out? All right. So we have in the lead twenty sixteen at forty seven percent. Twenty fifteen at thirty five percent. Twenty eighteen at fifteen. Fifteen. And 2017 at 3%. 15%. I love being out of step, Charlie. Mm-hmm. I got no problem with it. I, I believe by far this is Joe's best. People hate Joe. I know Cup fans don't like him. I know they don't like him. This is his best year because he has to make so many decisions and maneuvers with the injuries that they've had. We'll have Jesse Rogers in a minute. Stick around. Murph and Fred, our number one's history. Vote right now for our 10 o'clock Twitter poll question. Is Javi Baez the NL MVP? No. His on-base stat line is too low. Yes, because he does it all. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Get Jesse on the phone. Grind at the end. Four pitchers used in the eighth. Drama in the ninth. But Strope able to finish it off. Highlights, courtesy NBC Chicago Sports. Nice little tip of the hat to Jack Brickhouse there by Len Casper. With the woo boy, yep. as Jack would say. Does he? How old is Len? He must just watch old... Some old tapes of Jack when he got here because I remember. He always seemed to really, yeah. Maybe as a lens older than you think. As a kid growing up in Michigan, they probably had the Super Channel of that Channel Nine. Maybe he's forty-seven. All right, when did Jack uh, retire? Jack was there till about what the early eight, uh, mid late eighties, but filling in. He was anyway. It's Saturday. 
The Cubs are at the park. You know what that means. Jesse Rogers, Cubs are at the park. Jesse's on ESPN 1000. Woo boy, as Jack Brickhouse would say. Do you think Len Casper watched uh, Brick when he was a kid in, back in Michigan uh, on the Super Channel? What do you think, Jess? I absolutely think so. I mean, when you talk about broadcasters like Len Casper, he's been a baseball lifer. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Just like all of us growing up with sure. it. Uh, every, every, you know, I listen to Bob Costas. Hall of Fame speech, and what stood out, and obviously we're all of the age that we didn't have all these abilities to watch every minute, every everywhere that we are, you know, streaming on our phones. Back then, we had to listen to the radio or WGN or TBS. So I, I'm sure Glenn was was definitely watching uh, on the Superstation yeah. for sure. That was a yeah. great call at the end of the game, as well was uh, JD uh, Jim Deshays. So our uh, nine o'clock Twitter poll, Jesse, mm-hmm. miss, a, miss a little, miss a lot. <laughs> hint, hint. No, no, no. You're a busy guy. I know. Uh, was pretty simple. I want you to try to. Uh, maybe you did here, or maybe you looked on, online. The most exciting Cubs player, A, B, C, or D. All right, that was the question. The poll: Sammy Sosa, Javi Baez, Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson. Most so exciting. hard. So hard to think about. Yeah. You know, to, to take your your mind back then. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because the easy answer is bias. But when Sosa was doing his thing, I mean, they, they put up a stat on the video board yesterday, uh, most walk-off home runs in Cubs history, Sosa with nine. Think about that, <laughs> nine walk-off homers. So it's hard to, to judge without watching those highlights. I mean, I was an Andre Dawson guy. Sure. But I don't think anybody ran the bases like this guy did. Now, not every move is a smart one, but he seems to get away with them all. So I might have to vote for Bias because I'm trying to think of Sammy and Hawk on the bases. Not quite like this guy, I don't think. Well, the uh, vote agrees. Uh, Javi Baez, 63%. Uh, Sammy, 25 And then some... Uh change some coins and pennies and nickels for uh, the great Ryan Sandberg and the great Andre Dawson, but right now Javi Baez, not just the toast of the town, Jesse Rogers, toast of the uh, baseball world, the MVP uh, candidate that keeps gathering speed. I went to some, uh, I went to a few uh, handfuls of games back in, uh, a few handful of games back in April and May. You know, it was a little cheaper, easier to get in. Uh, but I haven't been to games uh, in June or July. Jesse, have you heard much or any of the MVP chanting yet? You know, when Javi comes to the plate at uh, Wrigley Field, or will that just start today? Might start after hearing you, because the chant you usually hear is simply Javi. Javi, which, by the way, I've heard on the road for months now. Months <laughs> chanting Javi. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's amazing. Ask Nick Friedel, he was in the stands in San Diego. Yep. I have not heard MVP, MVP. Maybe I've missed a chant. Sure. You know, I'm not, but I, I, I haven't heard a sustained MVP chant until everybody just heard you say that, Murph. So I think today is it. You could have started it when you were sitting behind home plate the other day. <laughs> That's right. I went as a fan with my kids yesterday, which is always a good experience. For any reporter, honestly, that covers a team, should go sit in the stands and be reminded what it's like to pay for a ticket and do all that stuff, and um, and, and see the game, see the game as a fan does as well. So I like doing that a few times a year. I didn't, I wasn't 
third row, Fred. I was like 25th <laughs> row behind home plate. I, I, I don't have Murph seats. I have Jesse Rogers seats. It was funny because you said you were sitting <laughs> behind home plate, and I go, I don't see Jesse anywhere. They yeah. only see, so you only see the top four or five rows, but, you know. Jesse, there's a, uh, and we've kicked this around, uh, Fred and I, uh, the last uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, the five-tool player, you know, I think even a casual fan knows these days, you know, hit, hit with power, run, field, and throw. Uh, there's a sixth tool, and the uh, scouts uh, uh, call it the intangible. You know, uh, the guy that understands the game, the guy that sees the play before it happens, the guy that just seems to have that innate ability to know when to take the extra base, even though it looks like it's a, a certain, uh, you know, death at third base. Uh and this guy is a six-tool player right now. Uh, Fred had the definition a moment or two ago of, you know, the... Uh, yeah, most, here it is. Okay. Most valuable player. The player who contributes the most to his or her team's success. Right from Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Now, you you know, you got the uh, Arenados uh, with the Colorado. He can bang it and he can knock him in. He's a gold-glove fielder. But does he run to bases? Uh, I, I mean... How can someone who's a stat guy know to vote for Javi? See, what I'm afraid of is uh, the stat vote, voters for the MVP that are stat heads. God love them all. You know, nothing disrespectful. If the propeller heads, oh, that wasn't nice. If the propeller heads say, oh, look at Dallas stat line is on base 333. I can't vote for this guy. But he's a right. six-tool player. How, do, how does this balance out? That's a great question, Murph. Okay, so I am a, a voter, right? So uh, I cover the Cubs. How the heck would I know if Arenado is running the bases the same way that Baez is now? I can watch the highlights, right? I could talk to other people. But I better, I better be right, asking the right questions. And that's the key when it comes down to voting. And a, and a lot of us take it seriously. If, if you're voting for, looking into a guy from another city, you better ask people that watch him every day. What's special about him beyond the numbers? I don't know if every voter is going to do that. That's the only way you can get it done. Because you can't sit there and watch every Rockies game if I'm interested in Arenado, just like the Rockies beat writers, sure. reporters, can't watch every Cubs game. But you have to ask questions. What is it about this player that's special beyond the numbers? Hopefully enough people do that. When there's a uh, when there's a, a few in the mix, you know there's there, there's years where it's so obvious. Guys got 55 homers, whatever. You know what I mean? In those years where it's not obvious, you've got to ask questions as a voter. That's the only way to know, right? Because it's an it's an imperfect system. I watch Javi every single day. I watch Arenado six times a year, and I'm talking about full games when the Cubs play the Rockies. How am I supposed to compare those two? Even if I do ask the right questions, I'm going to be biased one way. But the hope is, with 30 voters in each city, the, you know, the cream rises to the top, you figure it out, you ask the questions, and the right guy gets voted on. doesn't always happen. I mean, um, and, and, and who's to say, you know, bias is more valuable than error? I don't know for sure. You can't say for sure, but that point you're making is a great one because it doesn't show up in the box score. The questions have to be asked. That's the only way. Jesse, uh, I remember watching some uh, great second basemen. Guys with big arms, guys with big gloves, you know, Al, uh, Alomar at uh, second base. Manny Trio had the best arm I'd ever seen, young man. Do you go back to Manny Trio at second uh, for the Cubs? 
Absolutely. I can picture that little sidearm, yeah. really good throw. Yes, for sure. I, now, I remember Manny. Yep. Now, he had a rocket for an arm. There's a ground ball. We have the sound bite here, so hold on. There's a ground ball yesterday to Baez, and they had pads of a runner on third. This is in the eighth inning. And they were not sucked in. In other words, oh, the Cubs are playing the infield in for a play at the plate. No, they weren't doing that. And they weren't even halfway. They were what you would call normal. And there's a ground ball to second. And this guy, Baez, throws a man out at the... Well, here, let's listen. Here's Len Casper. On a bounce. Here comes a throw to the plate. And Jankowski is out. He hesitated. Did not go right off the bat on contact. Baez throws him out. Now, NBC Chicago says... Have you ever seen a, a throw like that? Let me tell you, 99% of second basemen go to first, knowing that that run isn't the most important thing, right? It's the next run. They were up 5-3 to three at that point. They don't go. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing his abilities and uh, to, to see the players that happens and to make that kind of throw. Yes, I'm with you. That, that's only Javi could do something like that, the whole play from start to finish. We had a uh, Twitter poll uh Fred, uh, the vote was uh, was a little surprising to me, but not to you or anybody else. Our uh, nine thirty poll, Jesse Joe Madden, his best managerial year with the Cubs. He won two Manager of the Year awards with Tampa Bay, and his first year he won the award with the Cubs in twenty fifteen. Was that right? Did you? Yeah, twenty fifteen yep. was correct. Okay, not twenty sixteen. Was Dave that? Roberts? Okay, and, uh, Dodgers got yep. that. Okay, and uh, to me, it's this year. And to everybody else, it's not this year. Uh, what were the? Uh, do you have the uh, results of that? When you have a minute there, Felix the Cat with us today, compiling all the numbers over there. But the uh, fans uh, voted on that. Uh... Yeah, they voted. So the lead was forty-seven percent for two thousand sixteen, thirty-five percent for two thousand fifteen, fourteen percent for two thousand eighteen. And for 2017, only 4%. Thanks, Felix. Now, Jesse, let the record show. Jesse wrote a book about the guy. Yeah. but It's, a, it's another great poll question, by the way. But thank you. But, uh, you know, midnight on the second, uh, you know, a, a double. <laughs> Martini. Uh, no, yeah. no, not on Friday night, young man. That's, that's soda pop. So, <laughs> Joe Manns, to me, it's this year. It was way down low in the voting. I know fans are still, you know, oh, see, Joe's an easy target. Because, well, you know, the uh, bullpen work in the World Series, the bullpen selection, right? Okay, all that, fine. They won the World Series. Get over it. That's what I say. Do whatever you want, fans. Jesse, now Fred will argue with me, and he did. It was a great spirited discussion that uh, 2015. And uh, Fred, what were you? But they weren't expected to be there. And, uh, you know, they got there. That's why I thought that he got it. That's probably the same reason Dave Roberts got it the year after when the Cubs won the World Series. But a lot of that was push button, as I recall, so many years ago. This year, you got four starting pitchers that can't get to the fourth inning, fifth inning, chewing up a bullpen. You lose your closer, uh, Morrow. You got Bryant in and out. You got other mix and match. I think if I'd have phrased it, maybe what year has Joe had to do more lineup tinkering, thinking, strategic moves? Maybe that would, would have been better, but we only have so many characters. So I just said, what was his best year? But talk about this year, however you might vote on it, Jesse, but talk about Joe this year, how it might be different from the three previous. You know, I'll give you a hint. I would not vote this year. But, look, when you're starting pitching, I mean, that's the backbone of your team. When that goes south, 
you really have to get creative. And I'm not just talking about in ways to win games, just creative in keeping things together because it can fall apart quickly when you have one starting pitcher. So I, I, it's not, again, with Joe, it's never a move or two. It's, a, it's, a, it's an atmosphere. It's the culture. It's all that stuff. And sort of keeping the, the, the group together. But I would not vote this year. So it's hard for me to make this the case other than to say, my God, without you know, uh, four starters, they're, they're still in first place here. It's amazing. And I give a lot of credit to him. You know where I give credit to him? As much as I love John Maley, he saw something in this offense that wasn't peaking and said, we've got to make a change. And it wasn't just, it's not what Chili Davis has done. It's what, it's, it's the uh, message he sent by changing the hitting coaches, telling the players, You're, this isn't good enough. This home run strikeout thing isn't good enough. So we're making a change, and you've got, you've got to learn it on your own here, and I'm going to bring in some help here in a 22-year veteran like Chili Davis. So I was like, that message he sent and, and, what, and what, that, what they needed out of that offense this year without the starting pitching, I thought was, was, was you know, they've, they've covered up for it. So that's been great. But I will tell you, and it's funny, you hardly mentioned it, yeah. last, year, last year to me, People do not realize the, the numbers that were working against them in, tor- in terms of repeating just as division winners, let alone the fact that this franchise hadn't won in 108 years, had the shortest offseason in baseball history. People don't realize this. They played it in November, and then the WBC started, the, started spring training earlier than ever. Three months off to celebrate the greatest win in the history of sports. He navigated through that first half knowing, knowing they were going to sleepwalk through it because physically and mentally they could not, uh, you know, sort of overcome. Then in the second half, he pushed the right buttons. They win the division by five, six games. To me, it was last year. As amazing as 15 was, to, 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 to do it after you win and to get a couple wins away from the World Series again, I thought was incredible. A vote right now on our Twitter poll for this half hour is uh, A or B. Is Javi Baez the NL MVP right now? No. His on-base stat is too low, Murph. Don't you look at the numbers. B, yes, he's doing everything on the field. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Final couple of minutes with Jesse. You know, the nice part about uh, what Joe said yesterday after the game, they win the game, they hang on, they get five relievers. Uh, they had a nice outing from Quintana. He picks up his 10th win. But after the game, uh, Madden made sure he mentioned in some of his post-game comments mental mistakes. He said, you know, they can't happen. It, it, the physical mistakes, he'll always forgive, but mental mistakes can't happen. We have a 43-second cut. He said it three times in those 43 seconds. They got the win, but he's still not happy with the way they're playing yet. Yeah, you know, uh, you juxtapose Addison Russell and Javi Baez. It's unfortunate Russell has to play next to him because – you could tell who's got the instincts, who, do, who doesn't. I think of some mental mistakes that Addison's made this year. Um, a few others on the base pass by guys. But, it, you know, you play 162, you can't be perfect, and you can't be hobby bias. But they do have to be a little bit sharper. That is definitely something Joe has talked about since the first day he got here. Every manager does, though. You know, physical mistakes are, are accepted. Right. Mental mistakes are not, especially at crunch time in this time, this time of year. So... I think of Addy as a guy that's got to play sharper at times. You know, he'll get caught in that rundown. He'll just, just you, again, juxtapose him against Baez, and you see the difference in instincts. I don't want to just pick on him because, you know, other guys make mental mistakes as well. But 
um, this is the time of year Joe's going to mention it more and more. Well, and the one guy that you know you didn't want to pile on, but Albert Almora, and we talked about it a little bit earlier. He was zero for twenty going into yet, or one for twenty going into yesterday. He came in later in the game. He went zero for two, so he's he's one for his last twenty-two. But he's made some mistakes in the field, which is rare. Not catching the ball, obviously, but where to throw it to? Thinking his arm may be a little bit stronger than he thinks, and he can get guys out, and not thinking a runner goes to second base. Those little things are things that didn't happen when they when they were winning. I don't know what the, Almora had such a good season getting to where he was and the last couple of weeks Jess he's just completely gone the other way yeah sometimes one part of your game starts to falter and then the other part goes along with it that's a young player right there going through his first prolonged stretch uh, slump at the plate maybe takes it out in the field I don't know I haven't really talked to him about about that but you're right all that stuff comes in play I will say Schwerber for example has gotten better at some of that stuff out there yeah ball off the wall he's not turning doubles into triples he, he's backing off and making those plays I don't worry too much about Elmore in the field, but you're right. You can't always throw home on every play, and that you know that that'll cause a problem. Um, they they do need to sharpen up. When you don't have that starting pitching, you you have to sharpen up everywhere else. They've been pretty good in that category, but not as good as they can be. I think one of the mental mistakes uh, just just down in the weeds here, you know, the minutia was Schwarber yesterday. Uh, Joe put uh, the hit and run on twice. Which is about twice more than most managers do in an entire season these days. He had the Caratini uh, at the plate in the second inning. Cubs was already up by one with the homer by Baez. He uh, had uh, Schwarber on first put a hit and run on. It was a tap back to the pitcher. He threw to first, but Schwarber either didn't pick up the ball or, you know, absentmindedly rounded second. Third, uh, it was a one, yep. one three six. Yeah. Third baseman picked him, not picked him off, but you know, caught him uh, wandering off second. That's a type of thing, perhaps. But let's oh, and 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 speaking of Russell and uh, and uh, Elmora, they've stopped going Oppo again. I don't understand it, Jesse. Yeah, you talk right. about you're the right. uh, the the meeting, be it the called by Joe or the fam- or Chili Davis or a collaboration or whatever it was. But you know he doesn't go Oppo, and he's and if, neither of them, and they wonder why they're in the tank now for the last ten days. And as an aside, real quick, the only reason, uh, the only time Russell's gone oppo was, uh, was a Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever, in Pittsburgh, where Bodie was on first. He drove the ball into the right center field gap. Bodie scored from first. And we all remember it was a whole day of sports talk radio where Russell tried to stretch a double into a triple and it was out at third. And, uh, oh, that Russell, he's so dumb. He's, he hesitated around second, they were saying. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with Which it. is true. Yeah, he but... looked over his shoulder around in second, which was true. And, uh, never be the first out of inning uh, at third base. Well, let me tell everybody something. The Cubs have a third base coach who's horrible. Uh, and I'm not talking about waving a guy home or keeping a guy. It's the other nuances, the other things that a third base coach this guy, Butterfield. Uh, Bodie's rounding the bases. He's going to be, the ball's still rattling around out in right center. And Butterfield on that play, they got so much Rip Russell talk the next day butterfield's waving and running with them uh you know down the third base line there's going to be no play at home butterfield get back to third here's what happened so russell's approaching second and he glances over there's no coach in the third base box that's when he broke strider at a little hesitation then he's rounding second he's got to now look over his shoulder to see where the ball is because there's no third base coach 
Now he's into third base slides and he's out on replay. Joe Madden has said time and again, I don't care if you're out at third for the first out of the inning. So all the three strikes that everyone all day hammered the kid, and I'm not a Russell apologist, and I couldn't care less. But he stumbled around second. Hesitated might be a better word, looking for his coach. He looked over the shoulder, which is wrong, because there's no coach. He's got to see where the ball is now, and he's out at third, and Joe says it's okay. It just irritated me that it's so easy to bury a guy uh, when the facts were the third-base coach blew it. I agree with almost everything you said there. Um, the Pirates, again, knowing the situation, they could care less about that run. They were up two. That run meant nothing. I'm talking about Bodie's run. The Russell run was the key run. They were never going to throw home. You think they were going to throw home and, and let Russell go from second to third if he had stopped there on a double? They were always going to be looking to, towards third base on that throw. So, Butterfield, it didn't matter about Bodie. You're right about that. And I agree. I asked Russell about that. Did you try to pick up your third base coach? He, he didn't give me a great answer either way. He probably wanted to cover a little bit for Butterfield. Sure. But, but when he did answer this, he said um, a swear word. He said, blank it, I'm going to third. I think what he meant was mm-hmm. I looked up, didn't see him, and said, screw it, yeah. I'm going to third. That's he didn't fine. say screw. He said something else. Sure. Um, so right. I think you are right, Murph, and I don't blame Russell when for 110 years that, that slide would have been safe, but this video replay sees a nuance and calls him out. I don't blame Russell for much of that. Looking back, maybe a third time was a one too many. I know the coach wasn't there, but just put your head down and run. You, that ball's a triple no matter what. It should be a triple where that was hit no matter who's, at, you know, who's, who's coaching third or not. So just put your head down and run. He didn't exactly do that. So that's but, the one little thing I'll say. Well, I mean, here's, the, here's the in my mind, the one and only thing that Russell should have been blamed for. You can't come off the bag, ever. You know that. I mean, the, it, instant replay is not new this year, okay? You can't know, come off the bag like when you slide. past the bag. But he I came mean, off the bag, and that's that's when they how they tagged him. But that's all irrelevant to the play, wouldn't you say? What I'm saying is you blame him because you can, when you slide into a base, you cannot come off the bag. Right. But no one blamed him for that the next day. I did. I'm oh, the only, no, right. I said at home, I'm the only one. I think one. it's easier, but isn't it easier <laughs> said than done when you're going full speed to slide and make sure that every part of you is still that's it. your job. I mean, it's, I know. Well, it's I mean, like sliding into second base and oversliding the base. You can't do it. Well, I mean, I mean it's not, but it's not the same as oversliding the base. It's it's momentum that uh, the gravity. You know what I mean? It's it's not. It's, well, you you bounce right. a little bit Whatever. when you hit that bat. Jesse, yeah. I'd still be bouncing if I was sliding. <laughs> but let me interject this <laughs> on that topic. And I, I, Jesse, I know we're up against the clock. We won't even yeah. have time for for a lightning round, darn it. But there is a movement now on this topic that Fred brings up. And it's, it's irritating the heck out of me that, well, we should have a, a, on the instant replay, if the guy belly flops in, and that instant where his, like, belt buckle, your butt's right. up in the air, and you sort of do a, a you know, a, a knife, a, a fork, uh, uh, you know, and you're out for that instant shouldn't count. I go, what? It shouldn't count. So what are you gonna, when are you going to draw the line? Well, he was only off the bed for about two seconds. He yeah. didn't mean to be. It's, there's actually a movement now. Well, this never happened before replay. True. The ump always just gave it to you because the ump was lazy. But now everybody knows there's replay, right. so you can't do it. But they, yes, but now they want to have a yeah. new rule where if you lose contact, jackknife is the word I was looking for. You jackknife and the slide over, or like right here for an instant, your one hand's off before your toe touches it again. Jesse, can you stop that movement? No, because I'm part of it. I like that idea. I thought you knew baseball. 
I think you should get the length of your body, if that makes sense, uh, to to be safe as you hit the bag. If that I don't that probably doesn't make sense. But if you if you slide <laughs> past it, different story. But if you're sliding through it and somehow that millisecond you you like you said belt buckle comes up. Come on, Murph, you're old school. That yeah, that's a safe slide. Oh, so how about, okay, fine. So where are you going to draw the line? He was only off the bed for four seconds. If he slides into the dugout, you I draw the line. If he slides <laughs> all the way in the dugout, he's out. How's that? You need a day off. Oh, you're having one today. <laughs> that's okay, Jesse. Just just get ready because everybody will ask you uh, when you go to Kansas City where you had ribs at. So just get ready to have oh, them somewhere. God. And, and the thing is, you know, I don't know where to go, so I'm going to have to ask somebody else to tell me so I can tell everyone else. Sure. Did you get the five? way chili in Cincinnati. No, I locked myself in the hotel so I wouldn't have a, I just stayed in the room in Cincinnati for guys. Yeah, I'm tired of being asked about the chili. Did you, right go over the, did you go over to Covington? No, I know people that went there, they never came back. All right, thank you, thank you. I gotcha. What was the final vote? EO11. Felix the Cat, real quick, Jesse's on, on a busy schedule here. What do fans vote for on Javi Baez? Is he the NL MVP? No, the on-base stat is too low. Yes, he does it all. I'm going, this could be the highest ever. I'm going to say 94%. Felix? No, that would be 74%. Uh, yes, he does it all. And 26%. No, his on-base percentage is too uh, low. The White Sox fans came out and voted against What is John we'll start DeWan? Start the chant today. Start the chant. <laughs> John DeWan must be voting over there. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jesse. Great job, right, buddy. Guys. Thanks, Jess. Jesse Rogers. Buy his book, please, so we can sell them all out so we don't have to plug it anymore. Don't try to suck. All the lovely people in Libertyville had a chance to see him last night. He was at Tommy's Pizza giving away Bears tickets and tickets to the uh, fantasy football convention. I wonder if there was enough pizza after he got done eating it all. They say, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a home of Black and Abdallah. They say Tommy's Pizza was a jumping joint on a Friday night with Jesse there. Bears talk in a half hour. Got some uh, Sox talk, Cubs talk when we return. It's Mike Murphy. It's Fred Hubner. Saturday 9 till noon and uh, vote right now our 1030 Twitter poll is to win it all the Cubs need A. Chris Bryant back B. Hugh Darvish back C. Brandon Morrow back or D. They need all three of them back vote now at ESPN 1000 Mike Murphy Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Halfway home, now we're at the 50-yard line. Murph and Fred, Brad Erlacher. I think he's. Uh, I think I heard the, he's the fourth uh, going to be around 7 p.m. If you want to try to. He's the fourth. The uh, the fourth speaker, speaker today. Rather, yeah. Right. Okay. When they're doing the speeches, they start at six o'clock. Yeah. Later on tonight on ESPN. So. He's getting a lot of mileage out of... Uh, you got to have the hair on the uh, bust on the... He's uh, tired of answering the I damn know, question. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's it, would be be... Nice, it would be nice if Al Michaels and uh, Michelle Tafoya would learn how to say his name. Uh, He's still doing Erlacher Ur- rhymes with linebacker. Right. It's real simple. He's still doing that? Yeah. Locker? Erlacher. Yeah. On Thursday night when they talk to him. Let's go down and talk to Michelle Tafoya, who's talking with Brian Erlacher. No, she's not. She's talking to Brian Erlacher. Well, once you once you knew how to spell it and or pronounce it, and uh-huh. you should, since you're doing the game, <laughs> and you know it's the Hall of Fame game, you should know how to pronounce all the names of the players. What's that new lisp he has? Oh my God! Did you hear Al? Something no, weird. no, didn't. Okay. I tried not. I only uh, I had it on 
Uh, and when they weren't talking to Hall of Famers, I was trying to watch as much as I could. Well, you know what? Uh, in, in fact, I have a, we have a Twitter poll coming up later. Thursday's NFL Hall of Fame game, A, B, C, or D, right? Slash waste of time. A. Are you looking over my shoulder at the yellow pad? No, not at all. Thursday's NFL's uh, Hall of Fame game, A, great start to the season, B, <laughs> at least it's football, C, dumbest idea ever, D, it's just a three-hour commercial. Uh, all it was was a three-hour commercial for the NFL, God love them, I mean, but why even play the game? Well, the commercial slash Hall of Fame, yeah. Well, Hall of Fame, yeah. which is the NFL, right? And, you know, it's a tough one. Well, oh, to be honest with you, every every game... In every sport, is just a commercial for the league. I mean, the Cubs game is just a commercial for the Cubs and for the league. Right? Well, yeah, but they at least... Basically, it's just programming. They at least comment, though, on each play. <laughs> here you got the game over in a little corner right, over right. here. And you're interviewing this guy, that guy. And, you know, like the game is so tertiary, not right. even secondary. Yeah. And nobody can... Oh, Fred, here. I'm glad you brought... We brought NBC, uh, the Bears game Thursday. All right. I jotted this down. Now, now this is, uh, I'm going to let you read this because you you know so much more about like the inner workings of national television and everything. I may know what you're going to say. This but... is the word for word. I imagine it was Al Michaels uh, talking about the commercial breaks. Did you hear this one? Okay. Yeah, I did. All right. A yellow highlighted in here. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not. It's not easy to uh, recall to read as a, so. You can might look it over first because it doesn't even. It's real choppy, but it's actually what they said word for word. I'm watching. It's about the second quarter. I'm ready to put a, you know. Yeah, he says here. Well, the, you, you, I don't need to say the beginning part. NBC Bears TV game. Well done, right? Ah, uh, yeah. We are taking commercial breaks where we usually don't to space it out to make it better for you, but we are just trying them out and may not do it during the season. Could you do me a favor and, and do that one more time? Because I've read it. I wrote it. I still can't. Give me that one. This is during the Bears game around the second quarter. We're taking commercial breaks where we usually don't to space it out to make it better for you. But we are just trying them out and may not do it during the season. Now, see, I thought I thought they were they were saying when I heard him say that, I didn't know what he was talking about either. I thought the league was trying to do that. I don't know. What I the... thought the league was taking breaks at different times, and that's what they were actually supposed to do. Where they weren't going to, they weren't going to break and then have the you know uh, have the kickoff and then right. have a break and well, then come back and well, all that kind of and, stuff. And they they did that last year, right. some right, right. They actually eliminated, as I understood it, something you never the commercial break there <laughs> after the kickoff. Well. Did that mean that they actually had fewer commercials in the course of the entire night? No, probably not. They just, but they moved them around. Yeah. Okay. So why did they? So why did they have to tell? Why did they obviously handed them a card and said, "Read this"? Yeah, I don't know why they why they did it. We're doing this, but, but we may not do it. Yeah. So, so like, um, it's my show. I'm not on that show. Yeah, I don't know why they would do that. <sighs> Let's talk a little White Sox baseball. In the white room with black curtains. Near the station. All right, Fred, I got a uh, fan letter here. Uh-huh. Actually, we know them. Both of you a good guy. We know him, but he said, you know, I don't put my name on the radio. If, if they're asking about benching Tim Anderson, I'm all for it. Execution? 
I'm all for it. His execution. <laughs> right, right. That After old, what he did yesterday. Joke. Yeah. My lord. So uh, yeah, I know he's. I, I know he went home. I know he got thrown out. That's you know, they walked him intentionally, and then Moncada gets a double off the wall, and he's looking around and trying he, to. He lollygagged around was, the bag. He thought he was Jimmy Pearsall. I was waiting for him to start running backwards. There were two beautiful relay throws. Boom, boom, and he's out at home. He's lollygagging around the bases from first to home. Then he turns to look and see where the ball's coming from after the coach tells him to go home. Well, the coach probably said, come on, go, 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 go. What are you doing? And that's just, well, I'm going to look over my shoulder and see now, what's going on. I'm, I was on my way home from last night's, uh, and then we'll get to the letter real quick. I was on my yeah. way home from last night doing the show right. uh, here last night. And, <laughs> and Darren Jackson says, you know, I've talked to Tim Anderson about this. He does it when he hits a ground ball to third and a ground ball to short. He looks at where the ball is instead of putting his head down and running like Avi Garcia does. He goes... He knows he does it. He says he just got to try to get over it. Yeah, like now. Doesn't, Otherwise, we're going to bench you. Doesn't Ricky Renteria tell him? Well, how many more guys can he bench? Stone was on him, too. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't care how young he is. If I hear one more time, well, you know, he's a young guy. He was drafted out of high school. I don't care. Now, why didn't they bench why him right baseball? there? They didn't want to embarrass him. They had nobody left they on the bench. They probably had no one to put it short. So... Are they going to start them today? I believe there have been seven counting spring training, seven benchings. Yeah, for some reason, some of the writers only had like two or three, oh, which no. is mistaken. No. Yeah. Counting spring training, there are minimum six benchings he's, either in-game or the next day's lineup by Renteria. He has set Anderson down. He set Moncada down. He has set Yolmer Sanchez down. I believe he said Harvey Garcia down. Right. I believe it's twice so far for... Anderson twice so far yeah. for Moncada and one 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 for three others. Yeah, it gets to the point where how many guys can you sit down? You're not going to be playing anybody. Would you? Some of these guys got to learn how to play the game of baseball. Well, is it? I mean, what what's wrong? They don't fear Renteria. They, they they can't. They're too dumb. They just say I don't. What could it be? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and everybody again, I, I, again. I'm not. I can't. I don't blame the manager for this. It's the players. Yeah. You know, you can only bench so many guys. So, just frustrating. Have you heard any chatter about Joe Girardi? Yeah, I've heard people talk about it. There was the uh, White Sox Talk podcast, actually. Um, Rick Hahn actually went down to Reggie's Rock Club, and uh, they did the podcast with Chuck Garfine and uh, Ryan McGuffey and all the guys. They did it on Thursday night, and you can get it at the White Sox Talk podcast. And he talked for uh, an hour and ten minutes about the White Sox, about the minor leaguers, about Kopech, about Jimenez. And some guy said, uh, um, Rick, I just want you to remember one name, Girardi. And then they, <laughs> Garfine goes. They throw him out? Garfine says, Rick, you didn't have a response to that. He goes, it wasn't a question. He just said, remember the name. Thank you. I'll remember the name. Well, Joe Girardi from Peoria, Peoria Joe, I believe his wife is from the Chicago area and they met at Northwestern or whatever. Regardless, I would think that it's about time for Sox fans thinking, you know, I'd like to see something, something big happen, something, you know, sort of shake things up. I don't know if you could get Girardi. He's, from what I understand, he's got a very, very high market value in his head. Mm-hmm. The key there in his head. Yep. He's not going to take a job that's not five, six, seven million a year times five, six, seven years. I mean, big, big aspirations. Sure. for him. And fine, why not? You know, you ask for whatever you want. Yep. 
And will he go I some, asked for that. And will he go? They told me you're working with Murph instead. <laughs> Thank you. Well, my lucky day, <laughs> not yours, mine. So will will they? Uh, a guy like Girardi, is, you know, he also doesn't just want seven million times seven or whatever. Right. And with escalators, uh, you know, performance uh, uh, bonuses, he's also going to want to see a team that he thinks is going to be there and winning and knocking on right. the door soon. Sure. Well, they should be. They, they must have the dough. They're not, you know. They haven't seemed to spend a lot lately. It's not my money. It's theirs, so it's not my business how much they spend. They've always said that when they need to buy, go after free agents, they will. So would you want a guy like that? You're asking the wrong I'm guy. I'm asking the wrong guy because you're, you're not a manager guy. guy. No, right. I don't care. So, I, again, I, you know, the top, the best team in baseball right now is Alex Cora's Boston Red Sox. What has he had to do with them winning this year? He got not the, a damn thing. He got the heave hole last yeah, night. Yeah. First time he got thrown out. He doesn't have a damn thing to do with them winning this year. So here's the uh, note from a uh, long time. I can vouch for uh, uh, this uh, Sox fan and his uh, wife. And you too, Fred. They go to a lot of games over the years. They participate, charities. Murph, my wife and I can't justify spending $150 for a night anymore to watch this product. Mm -hmm. We have gone to fewer games the last two years than ever before. I realize we have a young team, but not one of these relief pitchers should be in the big leagues, he says. Even more aggravating, our fundamentals are going downhill. My patience is fading. This is a hardcore fan. Going into 2019, next year, the Sox have a $9 million payroll. If they give Abreu $15 million in the arbitration, it'll be $24 million. Where's the do-re-mi? So, you know, you start losing these type fans, it's, it's tough. And, yeah. and, you know, fans are going to do what they want to do. I'm not telling anybody to go or not go. But, Fred, you know this fella. I told you off the air. He opted not to. He said, please don't say my name on the air, you know. Fans will come back when they start winning. That's the way it's always been on the south side and the way it'll be again. And if they don't start winning, the fans won't come. And uh, Rick Hahn, on this this, uh, White Sox Talk podcast the other day, he was asked about spending money. And there are still White Sox fans that uh, are thinking uh, that they have a chance at bringing Manny Machado here. It's probably a pipe dream. But I got a feeling the White Sox are going to make the call and make the offer. We'll see what happens. I wouldn't want Bryce Harper here if, if you know, he paid to be here. I don't want Bryce Harper. But is it too early to start signing some free agents, uh, both to try to pump up the fans? Not for three or four, not if you're signing for four or five years, it's not because you're you're expecting to be good probably by 2020. I was hoping for 2019, but it looks like that's not going to happen. Well, then it might not be a bad idea to sign. A three, four, five-year guy if he's at the right age. and you know. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Go on out and get a Manny Machado. I think that they've always wanted to get him and bring him over to the south side. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think he's been the guy that they've been dreaming of. I'm, I don't know that he's that's going to happen. People talk about Josh Donaldson being a, a, a candidate, like the third best. Does anybody want Josh Donaldson? He's got He's been hurt all year long. He's had calf trouble. He's ready to go. Speaking of him, there's... I've heard some rumbles that if Chris Bryant is not going to be back uh-huh. or back healthy, back able to produce, right. there's no doubt he'll be back, in my opinion, but you don't know if he's going to be able to be the same guy. No. There's uh, Adrian Beltran. He's a uh, 38, 39 years old Texas Rangers. He's pretty old. I know. Yeah. He's a gold glove guy. He's a professional hitter. Mm-hmm. Got some pop. 
Uh, he would clear waivers because he's got $6 million left in August. Uh, uh, the Cubs might be, you know, no one's going to claim him because no one's going to want to spend $6 million. Right. You take $6 million off the books at a Rangers, you wouldn't have to throw in more than maybe some, you know, A-ball prospect to save face for the Rangers. Who would we get for Belt? You know. Right. And even uh, Josh uh, Donaldson's name has popped up. He's got nine, $8, 9000000 million coming for the last two months. He's going to be doing... Uh, uh, some minor league uh, games now playing. And just saying, if Bryant doesn't come back, don't be surprised if the Cubs reach out to a name similar to those two guys. Hey, we got Bears Talk top of the hour with Arthur Atticus Pro Football Weekly. We'll have a little Bears beat. Get that Cubs starting lineup out for you again when we return. Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Glad you're with us. Going to be a hot one. But you're either at Lala or you're going to the Cub game or you're watching everything on air, yeah. at home with the air conditioning. You're in my basement and it's <laughs> 65 degrees, uh, crosswind, and uh, it's wonderful. And beer is cheap. Crossfire hurricane, huh? Beer is cheap and the yes, bathrooms is. are open. There used to be an expression when we were kids, Fred. You ever hear it? Ain't no such thing as a bad beer. You still agree with that? Uh, no. There is. Oh, there is. Yeah. Yeah, but, warm warm beer. But when you're like 16, yeah. oops, oops. Yeah. Warm, or when you're like a 21. Warm beer on a hot day is not good. What's it now, 18 or 12? Is it still 21, right? Yeah, 21. Yeah. Wasn't it 18 for a couple of years yep. back in the day? Well, I always thought it was 18. People <laughs> told me it was 19. I said, well, I was buying at 18 legally, but I, I don't know. Maybe they just liked me. I don't know. It's like when you went to the racetrack. Yep. You'd buy the ticket, you'd have a winner, you'd walk up to cash in the ticket, and what would they say to you? Uh, they, they say, hold, how old are you? I said, as old as I was when you sold me the darn ticket. <laughs> I might Just pay do, me my money. I might have to do that every week. That's yeah. my favorite line. Pay me my money. I like that even more than when your dad said, don't do not do things, you're, don't think too much. You're not good at things you're not used to doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't think you're not good. For, it's not good for you when you're not used to it. Javi Baez steps up to the plate. The wind's blowing in from right field in the second inning. Javi says, I don't care. Drive to right, will hit, and it is gone! One to nothing! Into the wind! Tyson Ross has hit an opposite field home run, and now we know he's allowed at least one. Javi Baez goes deep for the 23rd time. He now has driven in 84. That ties his career high. Leading the league in RBIs also highlights yep. NBC Chicago Sports Cubs win 5-4. to four. We have the, uh, excuse me, the starting uh, lineups in. Cubs one game in front of Milwaukee. And uh, the Cubs have played far fewer games than Milwaukee. That could be good or bad. What's Joe have in line today, Fred? Well, it's pretty normal. Uh, Rizzo leading off again with Zobrist at second base. Hayward in right. Baez playing third, hitting fourth. You have Schwarber in left field, batting fifth. Ian Happ is in center field. Then you have Contreras behind the plate. Kyle Hendricks on the mound, batting eighth. And uh, you have Addison Russell. I don't like, that shortstop batting I ninth. I don't like the pitcher batting eighth, but we won't have time to break that all down. you probably say, oh, thank goodness, Merv. I don't need to hear why you don't like the pitcher batting eighth. How about Zobrist? Two RBIs yesterday. It's amazing. Doesn't even get a base hit. Yeah. It's a sack fly and a ground ball with a man on third. Just an amazing professional player. 
Joe has to give him, doesn't have to, but Joe opts to give him one out of every three days off. Well, Joe said the other day, he goes, look at him, he's as old as me. Joe, <laughs> you're 64, he's 37. He's R- almost half your age. Rizzo back is, seems like he's in the groove in that leadoff slot. Fred had the numbers earlier, but just insane what he's been doing since he's been in the leadoff slot. Hey, let's slide a little Bears talk in next. Then we'll get back on Cubs and Sox. But it'll be Arthur Arkush. He's the uh, he's the Bears man, the football man over there at ProFootballWeekly.com. Don't let his dad hear me say that. We'll talk Bears next. And then back on the baseball beat. Oh, and we'll have the results of of our uh, Twitter poll from the last half hour. To win it all, uh, the Cubs need A, B, C, D. They need Chris Bryant. They need you, Darvish. C, they need Brandon Morrow, the closer. Or D, Murph, they need all three. Vote at ESPN 1000. Hour number three, Murph and Fred, every Saturday, 9 till noon. Hope you're having a great day. One minute away from Arthur Arkish Bears talk over there at Pro Football Weekly. Let's bring in our executive producer today, Felix. Felix the Cat. Uh, Felix, our, our last Twitter poll. To win it all, the Cubs need a healthy Chris Bryant, a healthy Hugh Darvish, or C, they need a healthy Brendan Morrow in the bullpen. Oh, or D. They need all three. So is this about 100% runaway uh, D? They need them all? Or uh, what the fans say, Felix? It is 72%. All three are needed for oh, the Cubs. But it's not 100%. Nope. Not 100 Well, this ought to be interesting. Who don't Who don't they need then? <laughs> what they say? 4% is Brandon Morrow, 6% you Darvish, and 18% Chris Bryant. If you don't have you Darvish and you don't have Brendan Morrow, I don't care if Brian hits about 30 homers in the last uh, four or five weeks. It's going to be tough, Fred. I think if you get Cole Hamels pitching, you yeah. don't, I don't think you need uh, you Darvish all pitching right. at all this year. Three great pickups, by the way, by Theo and the boys in uh, July. The uh, mention right there by Fred Cole Hamels, at least so far. Yeah, I was going to say, see how he is yeah. in the second and third yeah, outing. At least so far. Yeah. <laughs> he was almost untouchable. Not unhittable, but almost untouchable. And uh, his two bullpen pickups, Chavitz and uh, Kinsler, looking good. Here's our uh, 10 o'clock uh, Twitter poll before we go to Bears 11 talk. O'clock. 11 Thank you, Fred. We only got an hour to go. I only got an hour left yeah. in me. Uh-huh. Thank goodness. Uh, Thursday's NFL Hall of Fame game, A, B, C, or D, vote now. A, a great way to start the season. B, well, at least it's football. C, dumbest idea ever. D, it's just a crummy three-hour commercial for the NFL and the Hall of Fame. Uh, let's Give me some Bears music. Let's pump me up there, Felix. Football Weekly. Arthur Arkus now on ESPN 1000 with Mike Murphy and Fred Hubner. Murph here. Hey, Arthur. Fellas, what's happening? Thanks for having me today. You're happening. The good news is, the good news is, the good news is, it's not Thursday night anymore. I don't have to watch any more of that game. Yeah, that was that was pretty unwatchable uh, for sure. But um. You know, in this instance, I guess the Bears holding out uh, half of their, you know, pretty much every meaningful player, every starter, mm. 
uh, was a good decision because we're not talking about uh, major injuries after the first of five exhibition games, which, of course, is at least three too many, I think, in most people's eyes, if not more. You know, Arthur, I'm sitting there watching the game on my couch, and I'm realizing that there are no star players out there. And then I'm all I'm thinking about something, and then I see somebody tweeted out, somebody that I deeply respect who started this magazine, newspaper a long time ago, <laughs> and he says, listen, if the coach says it's not worth injury risk to play anyone who matters, why? play the games at all and Mm -hmm. i completely agree with him i was trying to figure out why other than a money grab for the teams a three-hour commercial no 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 not only the the hall of fame game any of the preseason games right because colleges don't play preseason games and if i hear one more person say well you know the fringe players they need these no no jack allen played 48 snaps the other day he got cut today so it doesn't really matter you can you you can prove how good or bad you are in practices and in workouts and in scrimmages with other teams there's no reason for these preseason games arthur well, the guys, it's almost like the uh, the NFL lets money drive most of its decisions, I guess, huh? Um, yeah, you said it. Uh, money grab, obviously, uh, no question about it. The fact that uh, the ticket prices are, are the same for these uh, as regular season events is really just criminal. But, um, I, you know, I, I think they probably – I think they can use a couple of them. Um, I think it's it's good opportunity for – uh, some of those bottom of the roster players actually to not only show the club they're trying to make what they can do, but the 31 other ones, because these teams, I mean, there's a reason that all teams send scouts to preseason games. And, uh, there is some, there, there are some advantages, I believe in terms of evaluation and, and getting guys chances to land elsewhere when they are ultimately cut. Um, but yeah, I mean, four is too many. Five is absurd, of course, but, uh, let, let's, let's remember, uh, the bears were only playing there because of Brian Urlacher. So that's the cool right. part of huh. it. That's the cool part of the weekend. And the best part of Thursday night, guys, in my opinion, for sure, was watching all the highlights of the Enshrinees. That, that's pretty cool stuff. Sure. Uh, not right. a lot to, to take yeah. away from actually anything that happened on the field, however. And, of course, uh, back when uh, I was a kid, Fred, you were a kid, and uh, your dad uh, was a kid, they played seven exhibition games and they uh, didn't even uh, they didn't call them preseason they I were... think the thing that got everybody is, w- is, <laughs> is when Matt Nagy said that they still have a quarter of the season to go before the regular season starts <laughs> and yeah. I think that's the part that really got to a lot of people all right uh, Monday morning got in the car uh, drove uh, down about 730 in the morning south on idyllic and, and beautiful and relaxing the cornfields of Mannheim Road, LaGrange Road, Route 45. I got to the Bourbon A uh, 8.15 a.m. practice. And I, uh, you know, watching there, just sitting in the stands, making some notes. And I wanted to ask you first, Arthur, are these notes worth anything? In other <laughs> words, I'm there. I, I thought I was observing pretty well. You know, longtime fan, not an expert. And then uh, people say, you mean you went all the way there to watch? That's not even, that's just inner scrimmage and there's nothing to learn. Well, you know, I jotted down here, Kevin White, all right? He's wide open in the back of the end zone, uh, crossing. Uh, he leaps up for a pass. Tough catch, an NFL catch. Goes right through his hands. And there right in front of me is Helfrich, whatever his first name is, the offensive coordinator. You ever hear the phrase out there, hopping mad? This guy was actually, literally, hopping mad. He jumped up, jumped down, spun around in midair because the ball went through Kevin White's hands. Now, is that something that I should just, uh, you know... Uh, just tear up and reject, or is that something worth noting? 
Well, I, I guess Mark Alfrich and Matt Nagy weren't hopping mad enough to make Kevin White play Thursday night. So that was one of the, one of the bigger surprises, uh, you know, from, from my vantage point. Right. But, um, yeah, Murph, I guess I'd have to see more of your notes specifically to know if they're meaningful. But, look, no, there are – the training camp is important for these guys. I mean, right. It's not only an opportunity uh, with the new staff to, to learn your schemes and, uh, and, 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 you know, to try and make the team for a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. But you build camaraderie. So I do All believe right. in the value of that for sure. Um, but I do know, because unfortunately I haven't been down in Bourbon a as much as I would like this summer. We've got all these crazy projects going on at PFW uh, that have prevented me from being there. Um, but obviously I'm talking to plenty of people who are, and, and the consensus I feel like is that there hasn't been a whole lot of live action that we were promised on uh, report day about a, a team getting calloused and a lot of physicality mm. being involved. Mm. That's the reputation uh, that Andy Reid's camp certainly have, and Matt Nagy spent his whole NFL career up until now with Reed. So uh, maybe they're going to pick things up here down the stretch, but uh, that's been one of the bigger takeaways, just kind of uh, an overall broad view, um, is that they haven't been doing a whole lot of hitting, maybe not even as much as the prior regime thus far. Uh, you made the mistake about two minutes ago of saying, I'd like to see your notes, Murph. So <laughs> see, see what you did, Arthur. Jordan Howard, right? Good old number 24. I'm right down there standing, you know, with the fans and right in front of me, they throw, you know, an old fashioned uh, swing pass out in the flat. No one near him. He's right over by me. It's maybe the ball's in the air about what? 10, 15, 14 yards right in his hands. You would have thought that he had two metal garbage can lids for the left hand. Clang, boom, falls right in front of me. Now, that doesn't mean a thing, does it? Because it's just a scrimmage game. That meant nothing. I shouldn't have even written that down. Right, Arthur? Well, I mean, obviously with some context, the reason that you were uh, your, your antenna was up with that is because Howard has struggled as a receiver through two years. That's not breaking news, of course. But um, my understanding is that he actually has shown some improvement in that mm-hmm. regard. So while he may have dropped right. that pass, certainly okay. he hasn't uh, been 100% in terms of his hands. Uh, I, I think that it is actually getting a little bit better. Um and I've I've liked everything I've heard from this new staff, and that they're not gonna they're not gonna mask what what Howard can't do. They're gonna try and they're gonna try and figure it out. You know, they won't hide from his deficiencies. And uh, for a 24 year old back who has off to the best start in franchise history at the position, um, there's no shame in the fact that he struggled a little bit as a pass catcher. He didn't do it much in Indiana. So uh, I absolutely think you know, I believe when Matt Nagy says they view him as a three down back, and he's gonna get opportunities in all those different roles. Uh, to me, that's a, a great thing to hear because I think kind of just, you know, assuming that Howard's never going to figure that out is a mistake. All right. Um, now, that being said, tearing uh, up, I'm tearing up another note, tearing up another <laughs> note. OK, Fred. It, it, but, but it is going to be fascinating. I think one of the, the, the greater areas of intrigue with this mm-hmm. offense, and certainly there are plenty of them. Uh, will just be sort of the uh, the allocation of touches between Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohn uh, and how they get all these new playmakers uh, on the field alongside of them. Uh, until the game the other day, I'm sure that 95% of Bears fans didn't know who Javon Wims was. Uh, yeah. Then he caught seven passes for 89 yards, and not only now do Bears fans know who he is, but the rest of the league knows who he is. This mm-hmm. kind of goes back to the initial comments we were talking about, where Wims was out there not only trying to impress the Bears, but now everybody else has that film of him catching seven balls for 89 yards. If he doesn't make the team, it's going to be tough to put a guy like this on practice squad if he continues this, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had tweeted that Thursday night, and, and we got a long way to go in the preseason. So he's got to build, you know, he's got to stack, as they say, these practices and games together. But mm-hmm. uh, that was my initial thought, I and mean, then I had a couple people responding to me right away. Oh, that's what we've said about Tanner Gentry and, and Daniel Braverman the past year. <laughs> Braverman! And I'm thinking, 
<laughs> and I'm thinking, well, all due respect to those two, A, Javon Wims is a better prospect. You know, he comes from a big school. He led Georgia in receiving last year. He's a big dude uh, in the type of mold that I think that this staff uh, wants some players like that, obviously. You know, they go out and sign Allen Robinson. Kevin White's still getting a shot. Javon Wims is the other guy that falls under that category of the big-bodied receiver who can make plays uh, up in the air and, and using physicality. So uh, a great start for him, obviously. Had a couple really impressive catches where he showed off his hand, showed a little bit of run after the catchability. He's not going to be a, uh, you know, a big-time, he's not a real fast, sudden guy, but I definitely think he has uh, translatable skills. And uh, he had actually been uh, flashing a little bit in practice, so it's not like he came out of left field uh, you know, solely the other night. Uh, he, he's doing well so far, and it's a long way to go. It's one of the more interesting battles in camp because of all the the resources that were obviously tossed at that position in the offseason, uh, but he's at least given himself a shot, and, and that's all you can do, I think, for a seventh-rounder at this point. Are there Do teams still uh, look at their draftees with a little more, let's keep this guy because we drafted him and we we don't want to cut him, or is that is that passe now? Is that gone by the wayside where they say, listen, if he's not good enough, we're going to get rid of him and keep somebody else? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it probably is a case-by-case thing, and different coaches and GMs handle it a little bit different. I- I've been impressed with uh, the humility of Ryan Pace and-, and being willing to cut the bait on some bad decisions uh, before too long and not just keeping guys around because he's uh, being stubborn. Um, but I think, generally speaking, if all things are equal um, and you've got an undrafted guy or uh, someone making the veteran minimum versus a draft pick who you've got a little bit more invested in, it does make sense to have that be sort of the, the differentiator. But, uh, look, for Javon Wins, it's probably also going to come down to special teams. I mean, right. he's, he's going up against guys like uh, perhaps Josh Bellamy, although I'd imagine Bellamy is probably getting locked into that fifth spot. Uh, so then you're probably talking like uh, talking about someone like Benny Fowler comes over from the Broncos, has a lot of special teams experience. Uh, and that's all part of the puzzle. they got to find guys uh, at different spots. Usually you look, you know, obviously linebacker, tight end, running back. Those guys better be able to play special teams. Uh, but I think at receiver, too, especially with some of your top guys, uh, who are getting paid a ton in, in Allen Robinson and uh, Kevin White and Taylor Gabriel, uh, excuse me, Taylor Gabriel, who you're not going to expect much from in special teams, maybe outside of Gabriel, potentially in the return game every now and again. We'll get back on the baseball beat uh, in a moment. One of Arthur Arkish's and the family's favorite topics, Cubs talk, Sox talk, uh, PFW, as you call it, Pro Football Weekly. What's going on these days at Pro Football or PFW? Yeah, uh, well, we're just, you know, ramping up, excited uh, that the preseason is back in that regard, trying to sort of spray it all fields with our coverage, although we have put a lot more emphasis on our Bears coverage this season and are really excited about the things we're going to be able to do. Uh, we're also doing a great event that if you'll allow me to mention, it sounds like you sure. really appreciate it. We have a, a, a Live Legends uh, event going on in Crystal Lake on September 8th. We are going to have Brian Urlacher there. We are going to have Lawrence Taylor there, Mean Joe Green, Randy White. Yes, it is a Hall of Fame lineup. Uh, to celebrate our team for the ages, the best 50-man uh, roster of the modern era. We've been running this contest for a couple months. Uh, it's also to celebrate Pro Football Weekly's golden anniversary. So uh, readers can purchase tickets for that, and it's really going to be a cool night. We're also going to have uh, some great hosts. Hub's going to be there, of course, and, and Pat Boyle and Dave Kaplan. So it's going to be a really fun thing. Uh, and we really hope that uh, you know some of your listeners and our readers are, are interested in attending. Uh, you had me till you mentioned Cap. <laughs> Just kidding. Shoot. <laughs> how, Sorry, how, do the, how do the fans hook up with that? ProFootballWeekly.com? Yes, thank you. Check us out on the website. Uh, you kind of can't miss it. We're doing all these Team for the Ages daily uh, unveils of our 50-man roster, and uh, there's there's info in every one of them as to where you can uh, purchase tickets. But, again, it's at, at uh, the Rouse Center in Crystal Lake on Saturday, September 8th, the day before 
uh, the Bears' uh, regular season kicks off. So it should be a really cool. a really neat night and uh, just the opportunity to get to kind of rub elbows with all the sure. Hall of Famers is a pretty cool deal. Very nice. Oh, I, I, one last note here. Uh, so Monday I'm over at Bourbonnet. Uh, let's see, because I've torn this up so far every time you tell me no. Uh, oh, here's my last little note. The Bears are in trouble if they have to go to their backup quarterback because they don't have one. Now, this is just me. This is just me Monday. Chase Daniel, I guess. Good on number four. He's short. He's round. He's small. He's listed at six foot tall and he ain't. I guarantee you that. He misses Tariq Cohen, who's open deep. He overthrows him. How can you overthrow Tariq Cohen? He's the fastest guy out there. He muffed a snap. Oh, that'll happen, Murph. Uh, are they in trouble? I guess. Let me. I guess every team's in trouble if they go to number two these days because they're around thirty-two quarterbacks, much less sixty-four. Would that really be the truth? Well, I guess maybe unless you're the Philadelphia right. Eagles, right? Yeah. Um, okay. But hey, hey <laughs> Murph, I, you're asking me about a Mizzou guy, and I'm a Mizzou guy here, so I gotta be. Uh, I gotta toe the line. I, I'll tell you what. I actually think uh-huh. obviously that was a, an awful preseason debut for Chase Daniel. Um, but a lot of the reason that he is here is to be an on-field mentor to Mitch Trubisky. I know that if you ask the Eagles uh, what Chase Daniel meant to Carson Wentz, um, what he's meant elsewhere uh, in other young situations, with the, uh, I think with the Chiefs last year as well and Pat Mahomes. Um, no, he's back at the Saints last year, excuse me. But definitely specifically, Carson Wentz and Chase Daniel had a really good relationship. Um, and I think having a guy who can help sort of teach the scheme and just make sure that this young quarterback knows what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, there's a lot of value there. And I believe if you ask NFL people, uh, they will tell you, Chase, you could do a lot worse than Chase Daniel is your number two, especially when he brings in that type of uh, familiarity with, with the offense that you're teaching. Cool. Well, we, we always miss you, but we won't miss him. If, uh, <laughs> excuse me. If uh, Say hi to Pop. Thanks for joining us as always, Arthur. All right, fellas. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. See Arthur. Arthur Arkish, PFW. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember reading Pro Football Weekly way back when, when I was a youngster and uh, getting into the NFL, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's just it's just an absolutely unbelievable. They're 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 stuff. They're really good during the off season, but then some of their their previews during the season are awesome. So uh, I can't wait till the season gets underway. I, we got four more four yeah. more exhibition games to go through. There used to be seven. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Four is, four is crazy, too. And, you know, you you got to have at least two because every team will yeah. want to have at least one home game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but making your making your season ticket holders pay for these tickets yep. is a joke. Terrible. And uh, they do it all around the yep. NFL. I know that some teams, the Patriots and a few other teams, were making it where the season ticket holders didn't have to buy them uh, if they didn't want to. I and remember, they chose yeah. not to. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, so we'll, hear, we'll probably hear more of those in the next week or two. That happens every once in a while around this time. And uh, But, you know, if you're a Bears fan, you got bear season tickets you get you get those extra you get 10 games a year so you know the only way the only way you want 10 home games for the bears is if the first one's a wild card playoff game and the next one's the next round of the playoffs let's uh find out what the results are let's bring in executive producer felix the cat felix reyes felix uh the twitter poll was posed Thursday's NFL Hall of Fame Bears game on TV. Great way to start the season. Hey, at least it's football. C, dumbest idea ever. D, it's just a crummy three-hour commercial with some plays scattered in. What the fans say? Interesting. We have a close one here between two answers. Hmm. We have 38% hey, it's football. (laughs) 35% just a three-hour commercial. (laughs) There you go. 
And then an 18% dumbest idea ever. Yeah. And then 9% great start to the season. Great way to start the season. What, 9%? Yeah. Oh, man. Thanks. And by the way, I know there's people out there that are already got, already probably lighten me up. Because if you if you are in a wild card game and win, you uh-huh. won't have the home field the next game, week. Because you would want a wild card game, you would then play a team that wasn't in a wild card game the next week. Okay. So uh, just good. just to correct, you know, just so people don't load me up on Twitter. So Fred, uh, I have one little uh, side uh, bar right here, as they used to call it, and uh, all right, and every okay. Every sport changes. New generations come along. They don't do it the old. I understand it. This is not a stuck in the butt thing. This is a way to sort of reflect and uh, truly understand how something used to be mm-hmm. and how it is now. So we have a soundbite here. Then I'm going to go into Murph's library for a okay. minute, okay? I have to get rid of the cobwebs. I haven't been in Murph's library for a long time. So during the Cub game yesterday... It's sort of a, an innocuous uh, a play that sort of would certainly deservedly so got lost in the shuffle. And top of the fourth inning, uh, Villanueva, Villanueva hits a, a home run right. for San Diego. By the way, he all, all the great uh, play, uh, moves over to uh, five, six years here for Theo, you know, there have been some clunkers, and he, I've been praising him all day for the moves in July and uh, and uh, Bodie was a, a 14th round draft pick back in the first uh, Theo's first draft in uh, uh, 2012 terrific moves you know but just after the Cubs won the World Series in December of 2016 Theo evidently had a 40 man roster jam mm-hmm. all right maybe they're over at Lollapalooza right now I don't know so he had a roster jam and uh, he put a man, a player, basically released him. He put it out. You know, he didn't clear waivers. He put him out. And uh, the Padres picked him up. Yeah. And it's this Christian Villanueva, Villanueva, mm-hmm. who's a terrific third-base defensive fielder. But they had Bryant. You know, they didn't need him. Right. Coming, no, had they drafted him? Yeah, they just drafted him. Yeah, in 20, well, 2016. Well, they just drafted yeah, they, no, they don't. Oh, oh, no, they don't. Right. They won the World I'm, Series already. I'm, I'm right. off, way off yeah. on my years. Thanks, Fred. So there's no need to, re- but you would think that you could trade, you know, and I don't know what happened. You'd think you'd get a class A pitcher, some team would go, you know, there's Villanueva. It looks like he might be able to play. But anyway, Villanueva, Villanueva hits the home run yesterday. Now, what's, in the old days, the pitcher would, uh, for no apparent reason other than he was PO'd, would uh, knock down the next hitter. You're not mm-hmm. going to hit a home run. I don't like you guys digging in. I understand that's old school, and you know it's probably better that that's not here. Right. I'm talking about actual headhunting mm-hmm. back in the day. So uh, the next hitter uh, comes up to bat, and uh, let's see here. It's uh, it's a Galvis, Freddie Galvis. Okay, comes up, and uh, for some reason Quintana, being new school, says, "Well, I'm not going to throw the ball up high, but I'm going to just brush him back a little bit." You know, just sort of throw the ball in, fastball in about maybe six inches in off the plate, belt high. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I hit him in the fanny, it ain't going to hurt him. But I don't even want to put him on base. But I'm just going to, you know, a little message. And I'm watching the game. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll let uh, Jim Deshaies tell the story as to what Galvis did after a fastball in about six inches, belt high. Go. It's 2-1 ball game. 
Galvis taking umbrage because Coon Thomas threw him a fastball inside after the home run. Okay. That's a great word, by the way. Umbrage. Mm-hmm. I know what it means, but I, you never hear it. No. It's an underused great word. Yeah. And Jim just said, he's taking umbrage. Well, you know, he gave a little stare out to the pitcher. Like, what are you doing? Throwing the ball inside six inches to me, belt high, because the last guy hit a homer. Quintana's working the plane in and out. Don't be, don't be getting too comfortable. You know, I'm not throwing it at your shoulder. I'm not throwing it in your ear hole. Right. I'm just, you know, not even... Get I'm off not, the plate a little not bit. Not even brushing your back like right. the old days or knock them down. Well, let's do this. Let's go over into Murph's library, okay? In Murph's library, I pulled a uh, book out from, uh, well, 1961. Uh-huh. You won't know the name. He was a pitcher named Jim Brosnan, Chicago guy that lived out in Morton Grove, pitched for uh, the Cubs and the Reds. He pitched for the Reds mm-hmm. way back one season when they were actually they were in the World Series, 1961. And Jim Brosnan uh, wrote a book uh, the season prior, The Long Season. It was the first of the uh, quote-unquote tell-all books, you know, inside the locker room. Right. And then he followed it up. It was such a big success. 1961, the pennant race as his Cincinnati Reds uh, won the National League uh, pennant and met the Yankees uh, in, in the World Series. He ended his career with the White Sox. Yes, he did. 63. Yeah. That happened a lot back in those days where uh, they tried to trade you near where you lived. He oh, lived okay. in Martin Grove. Okay. And uh, you know, if you're going to trade can trade me back to the Cubs and the White Sox. Eh, yeah, yeah, you've been a good guy. You know, they actually do that back then. So here's page 140, 140. And he's talking about uh, the Reds. They're having a, a series with the uh, L.A. Dodgers, mm-hmm. right? Out in Los Angeles. Cincinnati had a starting pitcher, Joey J. Big, big hard-throwing right-hander. And they're facing Don Drysdale. Okay. Who I Andy Don, who would brush you back in a moment's notice. Say that again. Andy Don, who would brush you back in a moment's notice. Right. He'd low bridge you. Uh-huh. Yeah, the back goes flying one way, your helmet goes flying, and you just get out of the way of the... Uh, and he'd say, I'm 6'7", I'm a big, tall guy, what are you going to do about it? Chin music. Yeah. Remember chin music? Mm-hmm. All right. Here's Jim Brown. They're playing at Lollapalooza. 1961. Today. Joey J., our pitcher, the Reds, had pitched 18 consecutive scoreless innings going into the game. Joey J at the plate lined a bases loaded double off Don Drysdale. You see where this is going mm-hmm. already? The pitcher Joey J lined a bases loaded double off Don Drysdale to break up the game and smashed the hell out of Drysdale's disposition on the mound. Drysdale, Drysdale absorbed the shock of Jay's double, but he was numb. He was well enough to retire to side, but as we looked over on the Dodger bench, he fumed and burned and he blew up, mm-hmm. having given, given a double with the bases loaded to our pitcher. Next inning, to start the sixth inning, he threw a fastball behind our second baseman, Don Blazingame's head. This was standard, by the way, back then. Sure. Yeah, I, that's me. That was not Brazen. That was my yeah. side. To start the uh, next inning, the sixth inning, he threw a fastball behind Blazingame's head. Blazer popped up the next pitch. 
So Drysdale knocked our next batter, Veda Pinson, down on consecutive pitches. Don't mess with Veda Pinson. Pinson made the mistake of hitting the next pitch to left field for a double. Drysdale threw the rosin bag up in the air in disgust. When it came down, he dusted his fingers on the rosin bag and looked at our next batter, our star, Frank Robinson. He threw three straight pitches at Robinson. The third one nailed Robbie in the arm. Dusty Boggus, the umpire, threw Drysdale out of the game. Boggus said, that's enough throwing at the batters. I've had enough. Because after what? One behind the head. Mm-hmm. He dust, he uh, low bridge to Pinson and then threw three at Frank Robinson and finally nailed him. Drysdale's tantrum also angered his own catcher, Johnny Roseborough. As Robinson's laying on the ground, having been nailed by the fastball, he said, hey, I'm not telling him to do that. I'm not calling a knockdown pitch. Please tell everybody in the locker room I'm not the one that's doing it. Our manager in the dugout, Freddie Hutchinson, said to our pitcher, Joey J., tell you what, don't hit anybody in retaliation. We'll get him later this season. Mm-hmm. We play him seven more times. Let's go back now to the sound bite. Of Gallus. You that again there, Felix the Cat. Fastball about six inches inside belt high. And, uh, well, let's hear it again. And it's two to one ball game. <laughs> Gallus taking umbrage because Kuntana threw him a fastball inside after the home run. Umbrage. Yeah. It's got to the point now, if you throw a ball six inches inside belt sure. high after a home run, they're going to give you the stink eye. Now, there are some pitchers in baseball now that won't even throw inside because they're afraid. Well, right. And because of that, they're not pitching very long. So, therefore, the hitters are so used to not being dusted back a little bit. Yeah. They're going to take umbrage. Anyway, hope you found that interesting. Look at all the cobwebs here in Murph's library. I know. There's a ton of them. It's I, crazy. I got to start using this a little more often. Uh, 1130, vote right now. For a Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll, the White Sox should A, sign Joe Girardi, B, stick with Rick Renteria. Vote now, and we're guest-free phones for the final half hour, any of our earlier topics if you want to jump in, or seed the clouds with some new ideas. If you get past Felix Reyes, our phone screener, he'll be on the air 3323. 776, vote right now at ESPN 1000. Tequila. Tequila. Glad you're with us. Half hour left. Murph and Fred. Now we're going to Canton, if I'm not mistaken. Us? Carmen and Yurko. Not us. Carmen and Yurko oh, doing okay. a show out in, in uh, Canton, Ohio. Yeah. For the uh, Hall of Fame. They all still bunking up in a tent out back together? Hey, listen. There's nothing wrong with sleeping with another man no. in, a, in a king-size bed. By the way. We'll talk about that later. It's supposed to be a very cool a book out. Uh, Wrigley Fields Amazing Vendors. You might want to check that out. And who doesn't want to hear about the back uh, stories of... Uh, the great vendors, uh, Wrigley Field, Sox Park, United Center. It's uh, it's a job that uh, looks like something I like to hear about. And re- but I don't know if I want to carry those big. How about this? The beer guys. 
back at Wrigley Field and uh, Comiskey Park. And then back in the day, Fred, remember they had the big metal tray. Yep. And they'd have 24 bottles of beer in there. They'd have the cup stacked up. They'd have to make the change with that little thing on their, on their yeah. belt. And, and uh, it was loaded with ice. They would load that thing with ice. And so that even the last bottle of beer was ice cold. Now, you know, oh, man, you see that can? You go, is that thing going to be cold? Right. I asked uh, Abe, one of my buddies. Everyone mm-hmm. knows Abe, the vendor. He told me once, I said, how much did that weigh? You know, I can't remember. It was like 25, 30. Yeah. yeah. A whole tray Carrying of ice. 24 beers. Case of beer? yeah. How about just a case of beer? Sure. How heavy that is? And the metal rack. Yeah. But uh, Wrigley Fields, amazing vendors. And uh, great stories through the years, it sounds like. I just want to let the, I'll let those guys know they worked hard on that book. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and they, uh, you remember when they used to serve beer in the plastic cups with a plastic uh, lid over it? Horrible. It's the worst thing I've ever tasted. That was the uh, the bean counters. Oh, my God. Decided we can sell more beer. Oh. Che- uh, let me rephrase. We can have we can sell, get the beer cheaper. Uh, we just, whoosh, they'd have like this machine that had 24 taps. Tamper type thing. Yeah. Push it down, push it up. And it was like two thirds foam. It was warm. That was awful. It went from ice cold to yeah. buckets. The ice. Oh my god! Now there's there's a. Uh, I'm not sure if Budweiser created this, but there's a new tapper that they use at certain events, and certain people have it, hmm. where they take the cup. And the cup's got a little thing on the bottom of it. It's a plastic cup, and it's oh, got yeah. a, a little thing on the bottom of it. You put it down, and it fills from the bottom. Turbo tap. It fills from the bottom up. I think it's called turbo tap. And then, the, and the, you don't, they don't spill a drop, and it's just constant. They use it at big events. They use it in the World Cup the last couple of years. Uh-huh. They've used it in other places. If you ever see in the stands someone holding like a Budweiser, a plastic Budweiser cup with a red thing on the bottom, turbo that tap. was from those taps. Google up turbo tap there, Felix. Yeah, I'm not sure if the. I, I looked at it the other day. But in my uh, was with TurboTap once. Maybe that was from the top, but it was whoosh, it could do the whole beer in like you know one second. Yeah, and no, TurboTap okay. something different. Okay, that's from the top. I, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, comes up uh, from the bottom. So the story of the Cub game yesterday, uh, Cubs. If you're just uh, joining in, trying to figure everything out after a long Friday, uh, Cubs. Remain in first place. Still. Oh, pretty simple, by the way. It's called Bottoms Up. Oh, nice. Very yeah, nice. Makes Cubs sense. remain one game ahead of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. They have not been sleeping, though, up to the trade deadline. They brought in Moustakas. They were going to move Shaw to second. Then uh, they brought the Baltimore second baseman. Jonathan Scope. Scope in. Yeah, but he, they put him at short last night, and they, they did really? have Shaw at second base, yeah. Well, they had the best fielding shortstop, one of the very best, Arcia. Can't hit. Can't hit. Brought him in as a pinch runner last night. Mm, yeah. It's, but then now they say Arcia. That drives me nuts. I don't care. See, if you put a G in front of Arcia, it's Garcia. Right. Okay, I understand. Okay, here's how they like to pronounce their name. Is there no consistency? But Garcia should be Arcia. But what do I know? I'm just a kid from uh, LaGrange Park. So the key, the key to the game yesterday, the two keys, according to Joe Madden after the game. He says, we threw two guys out at the plate. And when you think about it, you could go a week, you know, without throwing or your own team being thrown out at the plate. Or they talk about never be the first or third out at third base. You right. know what I used to say about home? Never be the first, second, or third out at home. Never be thrown out at home. Well, better yet, yeah, yeah, don't ever get thrown out. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So, uh the two occasions, the first was in the eighth inning, and we talked about Javi Baez at length uh, earlier today. 
And uh, if Felix, let's bring up the soundbite. Here's the eighth inning. He's not playing with the infield in. He's not playing halfway. He's playing normal second base. And there's a, a ground ball, hard hit to Javi. And he says, hey, that guy's going home. He might have got a late jump. Here's an arm that, as I mentioned, only Manny Trio was the only name I can remember, arm I can remember at second base. But no, now you got to add Javi Baez to that list. On a bounce. Here comes a throw to the plate, and Jankowski is out. He hesitated, did not go right off the bat on contact. Baez throws him out. The uh, highlights there, NBC Chicago Sports. One of the reasons he didn't go is there was no reason to think that Javi was going to come home. Right. It was the <laughs> right friend. It, was it the, wasn't the tying run. It was a top of the eighth. Yeah. Comes up, like you say, four to two. Mm-hmm. Pods had second and third one out. The infield's not sucked in. The Cubs are saying, we'll give it a run if you hit a ground ball. So he hits the ground ball, uh, Renfro, and uh, all of a sudden, there's the ball going into the plate. Yep. Now in the ninth inning, well, that wasn't enough. Cubs have said, let's throw another guy out at the plate. This time, it would it's the would-be tying run. Yeah, this was huge. Oh, Cubs are up 5-4, to four, top of the ninth inning, and uh, one out, man on third. And uh, all of a sudden, Margo, the leadoff hitter, hits a uh, sort of medium-hard two-hopper to Bodie's left. And at first, it looks like well, he's got no chance to get him. Bodie, crick! Gets rid of that ball, and here's what happened. Cubs trying to hang on here in the ninth. Throw goes to the plate. Out at the plate. And the Padres, I'm sure, will just ask for a review. Andy Green already saying, please look at it. David Bode continues to impress, uh, both in the batter's box and in the field. Watch how quickly he gets rid of this baseball. Contact play is on. There's no panic at all. Slides over. Two-hand catch, so he wastes no time at all making that transfer into the throwing hand. Tag applied. I don't think he ever got to the plate. Yeah, so no review. He could, couldn't believe the ball was there. Yeah. That's what happened. Bodie was amazing. That's very good play. And no review available. See, there's no, now when it was late in the game, they were going to review it anyway. But they, but they didn't. I guess no, because it was they knew it didn't it was, make sense. You never even yeah. touched the plate, right? right? He never got to the plate. Okay. But for 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 the manager of San Diego to use his challenge in the second inning on a on a hit by pitch right. of Villanueva, that was a little ridiculous. Well, it backfired. And then, yeah, and the next and then the next thing Villanueva does is single the right. Well, and he was hit by the pitch. Yes, he was. But. The camera angles, at least the ones we saw, they always say New York has a different angle. And then, you know what? Show us the angle, right, too. exactly. But it's a controversial review of any type. Can't they do that? Can't they just, like, feed it in somehow from New York? Where do they get the camera, by the way? New- I don't believe. I don't buy all that. How does New York have another set of cameras? I don't know. They're not going to, I know MLB. How fell in the way, but couldn't just show his arm. There's got to be a red mark for where the ball hit the arm, even though it yeah. just skinned it. Right. It's got to be a red like mark. the old shoe polish yeah. thing in the old days. Exactly. Yeah, the ball hit my shoe. Let me see the ball. Yeah. yeah. There's shoe polish on it. But to use a review in the second inning is ridiculous. And then. And because what? then Lestella was out at the plate, 
but they couldn't review it. It's insane. And they couldn't review it. So right. what? I, again, He's I've been out. I've been saying it for years. Clearly and, out. I've been saying it for years, and Rob Manfred will never listen. Just put a fifth umpire upstairs, have him watch the game on the TV like we're watching, and just buzz on down. Hey, by the way, you guys got that call wrong. Reverse it. Mm-hmm. Boom. You don't need any challenges. He's upstairs looking at each and every play as it goes on. It's yeah. silly. Hmm. And then it doesn't take any time. It's done immediately. Oh, it's crazy. How, how can, you know, and it worked for the Cubs' benefit. La yeah, Stella, right. who was out clearly at home, and what? He just barely, t- they just barely touched his, it, his, his elbow, but he did get no, it. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. no doubter. It right. was a no doubter. And they can't review that. We're going to have replay to get it right. Ah, oh, you used up your replay. Yeah. But in the what, eighth and ninth inning? You can ask. You can ask if they can review something, and they usually yeah, do. But not in the seventh no. or the sixth. Mm-mm. Nope. Pretty please, can you review this, Mister Umpire? No, Sorry, I, I'm mad at you. You've been chirping at me all day. Can't I mean, do it. It's ridiculous. It's just. What's uh, <laughs> your beef, Murph? I guess we know what your beef is. Damn you review. No, oh, I got more beefs than rawhide. All right. We've been praising the great job all day uh, by uh, NBC Sports Chicago. So they hand a card to Len or J- uh, Jim Deshays, right. uh, or it's uh, up on a screen, a little like graphic. So I'm watching the game, and uh, Len says, The Cubs are starting four consecutive left handed pitchers in a row mm-hmm. for the first time uh, since 1966. I go, cool. I heard that, too. Yeah, okay. Let's hear who they are. (laughs) No, nothing. Well, okay, I understand. Whoever's in charge of handing a little note or putting a graphic, I understand that no one cares. Well, I did. I was sort of interested. Who were the last time, who were the last time in 1960s Cubs start four left-handed starting pitchers? Just name them. Boom, 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 boom. How long would that take? Nah, no one cares. We don't want to talk about those old guys. Well, so I looked it up. The Cubs had five left-handers that started at least one game in 1966. Okay. So I don't know which four. Kenny Holtzman. A, uh, he was good. Crafty lefty yep. uh, veteran Bob Hendley. Junk mm-hmm. ball lefty. Rich Nye. Still in the area. Rich, wonderful fella. He's a dentist, isn't he? Uh, he was uh, He was a, uh, what a doctor? bird. No. He was some kind of doctor. Bird. Bird uh, doctor. A bird doctor? Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of... Re- you know, birds? A lot of need for that. He was like a veterinarian that specialized okay. in birds. Okay. Oh, no, exotic birds. No, okay. no, no. Expensive, exotic. I got you. Thousand dollar birds. I don't want Rich to come, you know, seeking all the birds on me. Kurt Simmons... The over-the-hill herky-jerky lefty that was good with the Played Cardinals. The Cardinals yeah. He was through in the come And Dick Ellsworth. Okay. Some of you old-timers will remember. What a staff they had in 66. Not bad. Holtzman, no. Hendley, Rich Nye, Kurt Simmons, Dick Ellsworth. That's not bad. I would tell you about the time Kurt Simmons, he, he pitched for 15 years with the Whiz Kids, the Phillies, and the World Series, and the St. Louis Cubs. The Cubs got him at the very end. Like in 66, he was through. So it's like September. It's the last game of the year, right? There's about a thousand people at the game. The game ends. There's about fifty. So I go down uh, by the where the Cubs would leave by the firehouse to run over to the parking lot there to maybe get an autograph. And this is still I'm still at the age when I think uh, uh, ball players are real wealthy and uh, they're riding Cadillacs. Here, last game of the year, they're all bundling up their stuff, waiting right by the gate. There is a, a beat 
the hell station wagon rusted out uh, with a license plate from Missouri. It's Kurt Simmons' family yeah. in the car, and it's a rusted out station wagon. He's carrying his luggage bags and throwing them in the back. I said, it's a major league player. That was the first thing. Wow. These guys, they got a rougher life, I think, than we all imagined oh, yeah. back in the day. There's no doubt about it. Hey, if you're looking for a fancy, nice, gorgeous restaurant, check it out in Westmont. Vincitori, that's right, Italian cuisine. Casual trattoria setting in the heart of Westmont, right there downtown on Cass Avenue. Vincitori's menu features exquisite pasta, seafood, steaks, veal, chops, and salads, all freshly prepared daily Featuring owner and Chef Bob's individual style. Again, I can't say it enough. The grilled calamari over the flash fried spinach is unbelievable. It's Head, perfect. It's unbelievable. You got to have it out. Check it out. Head to Vincentori tonight. Feast on some incredible Italian dishes paired with tantalizing wine for reservations, info, and salivating photos. Head over to Vincentori. That's V-I-N-C-I-T-O-R-I dot com. Vote right now. The White Sox should A, sign Joe Girardi this winter, or B, stick with Rick Renteria. Vote at ESPN 1000. Let's bring in Felix the Cat. Felix, what the fans say, the White Sox should sign Joe Girardi or stick with Rick Renteria. What do you guess they said, Fred? Uh, I'm sure fans that uh, th- think a lot about managers probably said uh, 78% they should sign uh, Girardi. Well, I'm just looking at it from a, a north side uh, looking in. The fans, I think, need to get juiced up a little bit. I think it's time for Jerry to do something. A free agent manager, mm-hmm. sometimes just as exciting or just as helpful as a free agent player. But what were the results there, Felix? All right, we have 66% say sign Joe Girardi, and yeah. then 34% stick with Rick Retoria. You're close, Fred. Well, the White Sox fans that didn't want Girardi is because he was a Cub. No. Of, of course. You're kidding. Oh. Okay, never would have well, thought why. that. Never would have yeah. thought that. Some White Sox fans uh-huh. don't want anything to do with the Cubs. And the reason I don't like the pitcher batting eighth, as much as it helps get a man on in front of Rizzo once you go through the lineup, top of the order, the nine hitter, you're going to kill rallies when you have the, uh, you know, four, five, six, seven hitters coming up that inning, get two on, two out. There's the pitcher. All right, but Joe knows what he's doing. I don't like it. Want to thank all our guests today, both of them, Jesse Rogers and Hub Arcus from Pro Football. Oh, no, Arthur Arcus. <laughs> Arthur! Arthur, don't get Hub in trouble. Oh, we get in a lot of trouble, everybody. Yeah, can't Arthur do that. Arcus, and thank you. Pro Thanks to Felix Football. Reyes for all of his help, <laughs> as always. And I'll be back tomorrow with Chris Black. Adam Abdallah won't be with us because he is in Canton. And you'll be listening, when we're done, you'll be listening to Carmen and Yurko. They're in Canton. Coming up right after this. I'll be back tomorrow. Now go home and have another beer. Don't bother me. I'll have a few beers. Mervyn Redson, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.